The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. And you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co hosting as always. Yeah. Oh, man. This is a whole lot of just a whole lot of everything tonight. Um, the gremlins come out at night, especially every once in a while here on the Comic Book Chronicles. Yeah, well, I don't think Lisa's not on our end this time. I think right. Um, but while I try to reconcile what I'm trying to reconcile, this has been the, this is the Comic Book Chronicles. You can find us. Um, at the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. And you can also find us on your podcast, Perusal Place of Choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um, you can also record it, find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30 ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the YouTube channel of The Click Nation, that's good for tonight. Um, that's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit click uh, like and subscribe and uh, hit the notification bell. All of that. Uh, but yeah, folks, we are going to get into. Wait, did you hit the thing or? There you go. Um, I did, but okay. Yeah, that's about, I didn't hear it, so. <laughs> um, so. But it might have been an audio thing. So, anywho, we are going to get into the show running with uh, a spoiler-free recap of uh, today's episode and the finale of the season of Marvel's She-Hulk. Sure, so th- uh, this episode is called, uh, whose show is this? Is that right? Who uh, yeah, whose show is this? Right. Whose show is this? This is episode nine. And a spoiler alert because there's really a lot to discuss in a surprisingly short episode. Right? Hmm. This episode is jam-packed with quickie, and I do mean quickie reveals, 
like dropped bombshells left and right. So at the end of the day, I'm going to ring the spoiler bell because it's going to be hard to tip to, to, to tiptoe around all of them. So spoilers incoming, although we're going to keep them mostly light. Brief. In yes, three, and light. Yes. In three, two, one. Spoilers are incoming. Heads up. Yes. So, um, this, as I've seen in, in a couple of different places, just skipping to the end of this all, um, I, oh, I just so, want to play this part, just this musical intro. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, you will appreciate the opening to this episode. Right. And you're old like us. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yes um so basically I, yeah i basically i'll just go quickly and say that one they made good on something that i didn't think they were going to bring back up that kind of started with the first episode or first two episodes i guess mm-hmm. um um that we that i thought we were probably going to see in a movie somewhere which they still will have to explain that somewhere uh somewhere soon they don't have to but they, i would like to believe they will right. um and a whole everything pretty much from the season and every pretty much everybody from the season with the exception of probably one person you know that that one missing um long awaited character that that showed up last uh last episode um uh which i know that that could be one person or another but <laughs> uh showed back up for the for the finale um, one would say we even got a behind-the-scenes look at the show. Listen, folks, if you haven't figured it out by now, this She-Hulk show borrows not strictly from the comic books, but heavily from the spirit and the tone of the comic books that She-Hulk has starred in. Everything down to fourth wall breaking in its you know at you know you know at its height. Shattered, and I love. Say again? Shattered fourth wall. Right. Right. I you know, I, I always get a kick out of the youngins again. Uh for 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 those of you who don't know. Boy, I'm too old for this shit. Who think that uh this that, that She Hulk is basically just a uh the female version of uh what they're trying to do with Deadpool. I'm like, no, She Hulk did it first. Yeah, she was the originator of that. Uh <coughs> as he tends to do, steals things. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So, so that's you know I mean, you know we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of this episode, but in very broad strokes, we saw how the last episode ended with Jen Walters basically hulking out to a certain extent out of control, not completely out of control, but to a certain extent out of control. Some would say it's a normal amount of rage for some for what happened to her. Of course. But, but at the end of the day, what it comes down to is she's perceived to be a danger. And what happens to a Hulk level powered person who is perceived to be a danger? They get thrown into a cell care of damage control. And that's where we find Jen at the beginning of this episode after a nice little retro nostalgic turn of um of an introduction to the episode but once we get there we get to see how things take a turn 
for the let's say surreal. Weird. Oh yes, yeah. that's a better word. <laughs> yeah. Let's say they take a turn for the surreal. I'm literally quoting from Saving Private Ryan. And um ultimately once Jen finds her way out of the cell, she finds her life in a shambles and as she's trying to recover the pieces and put them back together, that's when things really get crazy. And I will let Roddy Cat carry it from here because at the end of the day, this is where the spoilers really start to come in hot and heavy, and we're going to go very light on them. Honestly, yeah, you've pretty much wrapped, you pretty much said it pretty succinctly. There's really not much else to say outside of the fact that one, I don't believe there's too many other ways that this season could have ended outside of the way they did it here. Like it, 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 it takes a turn and it keeps on going <laughs> and it kind of goes. I mean, it's right. They do a good job of subverting our expectations because I think as consumers of Marvel Cinematic Universe content, we are conditioned to think that certain things are going to happen at the end of shows or at the end of movies. And they play on that. They absolutely play on that expectation and turn it on its head and subvert it. Mm-hmm. So... Ultimately, the writers understood far better than we all thought that they would two years ahead of the actual introduction of the show, how we were all going to receive it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I would like to believe it all paid out. Um, or paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the with the ending. Uh, like I said, there, I was... Like knowing how the season was going, it was like, well, okay, yeah, this is it's, this has kind of been going this way, and they're definitely going to keep on the um, subversion train, and they did. And uh, like I was saying earlier, the, didn't think they were going to come back to something that they had uh, teased out uh, in the beginning of a couple of episodes, which that happened. Uh, we actually did get an end credit scene in the last one because we because they were pretty much not doing that uh, for the right. last few episodes. Right, and you know what's funny about that is that if you were watching the credits, it got spoiled for you. Yes, because you're like, wait, this character hasn't shown up. Oh, that's exactly oh, that's exactly oh. how it was exactly. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, wait a minute. Oh, of course. And that's not this is not the first time that has happened because I know this is uh, this happened in probably one of the other Marvel shows. Uh, right. So. It didn't. What happened in the end credit scene didn't jive with what I thought would happen, but the character that I that that obviously was spoiled by the credits ended up appearing it just didn't uh, you know what ha- what happened wasn't what i expected right because because i found myself going like wait this character wasn't oh <laughs> right and actually so i went i went looking through the credits on a, on a slight side note um i went through you know i kept going through the credits and and through the uh the, the whatnot and i was like there was a piece of music that apparently was used here that I don't remember being used from another Marvel prop, uh, another from a Marvel movie. I'm like, I don't remember that happening, but okay, sure. <laughs> Music is that? Uh, the Black Panther theme. Or at least not in this episode. It did in the last one, but not in. I don't remember hearing it, but maybe I had to go back and watch it. Either way, it was like it was just some little, little a little something uh, that with um. That I just happen to see. Otherwise, that though, no, just to kind of keep this moving. Um, yeah, it was good. If you can watch it spoiler free, and hopefully you can, I hope I would like to believe that you will be um, amused, enjoyed, entertained. If anything else, it was listen. It was entertaining. 
you know, I, I honestly sat up watching this, you know, this morning and partially this afternoon because, as I said, it's a shorter episode. Mm-hmm. So it actually goes by quickly. But I remember sitting up and saying, no way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A couple of times. A couple of times. Once, once with the intro. Yes. And once the intro came, there were quite a few. You know, once there, there's um, as I said earlier, the shattering, as as Radikat put it, the shattering of the fourth wall mm-hmm. leads to a bunch of different interactions, as well as the tail end of the episode with another return cameo appearance by not one, not two, but three different Marvel heroes and or characters. Mm-hmm. You know, one that was teased because, you know, it was like a running subplot the entire season. So we'll see. And I even recall Jen Walter saying, oh, I'll save that for the movie. Right. And I'm, oh, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of things that are happening in this that they might save for a movie. Right. We can hope. <laughs> uh, we will see. It is very interesting that uh, that Marvel and, and Kevin Feige specifically decided to go this route and allowed permitted the, you know these routes to be explored right it is it, it bodes well that well not bodes well but it's, it's a good look that as precious as companies can be with their properties looking at dc um can kind of allow it to to extend above you know above and beyond uh what, mm-hmm. what what's already been set kind of kind of kind of push the levels a little bit Okay. So, um, and as far as DC's concerned, we'll get on that mess later on because there, there was something that didn't really sit right with me that happened in the news. That being said, I think we're done well, with I the... Mean, Black Adam just premiered and some of the reviews were like, well, the action's great. The story's kind of shaky. I'm like, oh, boy. I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen... <laughs> Seriously? That <clears throat> is the low answer. Well, I mean, it's... You know? I mean, yeah, it's previews night. It's not out out yet because it didn't come out for another, like another couple of weeks. But yeah, pre- uh, people have been gotten got, uh, gotten preview screenings or whatnot, and I have seen a couple of those. I've seen well, some no, people say they say liked it. it. It opened in it opened in New York. Oh, did it? Right. Well, no, it it opened for like a like an opening night type oh, like right. red carpet event. Right, right, right. right? right so right, they right. so they let some of the reviews out. That's what I'm saying. Right. Okay. But yeah, but I've been seeing people who who've seen screenings of it or, or whatever the case may be talk about it uh in the yeah. last day or two. So Right, uh, right. It lifted the embargo, I think. Right. So, so it was like, okay. <laughs> Which I, I honestly I don't and I can't I can't say I can speak for uh eight and seventy, but you might be along the same lines. Wasn't really hopeful for that being a you know, fantastic movie, even though haven't seen it yet for ourselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think either of us, are, either of us, are in a rush to go see it. Nope. So, so, but it is what it is. But you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. Anyway, right. um, that's She-Hulk. We were talking about because you know, get back off you know, DC, whatever. Um, but yeah, She-Hulk was the thing. Hopefully, you can watch it unspoiled. Um, and I'm looking forward to. I would like to see another season and or possibly a movie. I mean, I, I I would like to believe she's going to show up in a movie, um, despite something that was said in the, the show. Um, but um, uh, hopefully, another season will will come out of this, if if nothing else. Put it that way. The VisFX team have moved on to another project. Yes, yes, they have. 
All right. Next up, though, and, and um, also, and, oh. and of note, we should all ask Roddy Cat. You know, make sure you hit him up on socials to uh, so that he watches Wall E, the Pixar movie. Get off of that. <laughs> should watch it. Wall E's really good. I, I, I don't know that I've I've I mean just go ahead go ahead and put another point on it. I have not I've had that conversation with other uh, more recent Disney movie, uh, Pixar movie Pixar and Disney movies of that ilk because I hadn't seen any of them anything past. I was like, about to say has been around for a been out for a long but what time. I'm saying like, is more recent. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, but no, no. But I'm saying anything after I would say Toy Story two. I have not seen. Oh wow, that's going back a ways. That's what I'm saying. So. Yeah, I didn't realize. It, like, I know I hadn't watched much since Wally. Right. So, well, uh, I, I mean, d- as far as Disney, I watched like Prisoners of Frog with somebody, but that was that was again that was it. And actually, anything Pixar or and or Disney outside of that, past Toy Story two, I haven't seen. Right. I mean, Toy Story three, I remember watching on DVD. Right. I did not go to the theaters for that. So. Right, and I barely remember Toy Story too, so I'm not. Even, I can't even say if I actually watched that. But that's neither here nor there because we got other stuff to talk about. Um, the next thing, speaking of the effects team, moving on to other things, Werewolf by Night uh, special dropped last week. Um, and it's you know it was out. It's a standalone special. It's mm-hmm. out obviously for Halloween spooky season, you know, which we are now neck deep in, and ultimately it is Marvel stab, Ooh. pun intended. Stab at some kind of PG thirteen plus horror, and you know what? It was fun. It was all right. It worked out. It worked well the way they did it. I think. I mean, I thought it was okay. You know, I I enjoyed the characters. You know, it follows uh, some characters that we are somewhat familiar with as comic book fans, like mm-hmm. uh, Elsa Bloodstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get uh, the unfortunately named Jack Russell, the, the titular werewolf by night. And, oh, he's on even earlier than we thought. Wait, who? Konnichiwa, my friends. Ah, nice. What's going on? Hang on let me see if I can not get Not much, not much. Long time no see since uh, Sunday. Since Sunday. Since Sunday. So I guess we'll rearrange a couple of the things that we're talking about here. Um... Well, hang uh, on. Let me let me rearrange this um this, yeah. this shot first. <laughs> Sorry, no, I I don't want to inter- interrupt. Please continue your flow. I'm happy to to chime in, give you you know give you my thoughts on you know the 20th best best crossover <laughs> by you know why 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 Nomad's better than Stingray and oh, Jesus. Uh, why, <laughs> why you sh- why you shouldn't be googling for the Black Adam end credits right now. Oh no! Oh wow! Okay, that's the thing, huh? That's something new. I had not heard that yet. Oh yeah, they uh, Warner Brothers uh, has kind of hit a lot of websites pretty hard for for that right now. Okay, uh, you got your shot up. Uh, pink. Yes. Let me just fade on over. Uh, pink. There we go. So let's do a quick introduction of our very special guest today, at Matt Wang ninety seven, friend of the show. Welcome, Matt. Hi, everybody. It's great and, to be here. And uh, we just recapped. I don't know. I doubt you had a chance to watch today's episode of She Hulk. So you, you, I think missed something that you might have been spoiled on. I, I purposely been avoiding trying to avoid spoilers, but um, it's it, it is very hard, right? Um, I, I think I have a good guess on uh, 
what the uh, uh, end credits are. I, I'm not, uh, you know, look, I, all I'll say is I'm a big fan of Greg Pak. <laughs> well, that's okay. right, right, right. Sure. Greg, I was going to say there is definitely a, a reference to something Greg Pak uh, 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 based story uh, introduced, but it's not an end credit. Believe it or not, that's not an end credit. All, yeah. And all I know is like you, I remember when we were younger, you love that spectacular X-Men, uh, sorry, spectacular Spider-Man like issue where they had like the Toad, um, Leapfrog, no. that was that frog themed guy, and you just walked around class with it all the time. So yeah, I'm just really happy to see it. <laughs> That's it. funny. I actually, I actually have, I, 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 I have that very beat up comic still. That is very funny. So, um. Which it, it is a real issue, spectacular for Spider-Man. I think I think it was in the two hundreds. I th- I want to say it was an amazing issue, but uh, you know, because I'm thinking it was during the black costume era, but um, but we might be thinking of different comics. But that's very funny. Um, we actually moved on to Andor. Um, no, no, I don't no. Know if you have to watch uh, that this week, well, we were still on the werewolf by night. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We actually just about we were just about to start Werewolf by Night. Did you happen to catch that already, Matt? No, not yet. But please, but please start. It'll take me a little while. I don't want to slow you guys down. No, we, we we're not going to we're not going to do a lot of big spoilers because right. you know we a lot of us are just now catching up to this because of you know busy weeks last week and this week being a short week. So, uh, you know, we were just saying that you know we did see some familiar faces and familiar names to us as comic book fans and you know we had seen some of these characters revealed in the trailer Mm -hmm. we saw we were introduced to elsa bloodstone and some other characters obviously the titular werewolf by night and uh a character who uh whose touch burns up those who know fear those who know fear know this character yes right (laughs) What, one of the one of the writers of that character spoiled that on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter, and he posted a screenshot. He was very excited. Very. It's, excited. it's really a nice cam. It's 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 more than a cameo. It's definitely right. a, a a good guest turn in the show. So you know, I think we can leave it at that because at the end of the day, there's a lot of. Uh, so you know, pseudo monster hunting going on in this episode. That's kind of the premise of the of the uh, of this particular special event. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I I started this just as uh, Matt was coming on. Uh, that this is like a really strong. I don't know if this is rated R, but it's definitely rated. No. It's like a strong PG thirteen. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, I think I said it was a PGMA or something like that, but it's definitely not R. Yeah. Right, 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 right. It's definitely a strong PG. You know, it was, it's you know because there's a little bit of bloodletting, let's say. Right. So, at the end of the day, uh, this is not something for the little kids. It might be a little on the scary side for them, but it's still pretty fun. Um, uh, I'll let Roddy Cat uh, uh, continue because I know that he said he really enjoyed this. I thought it was okay. You know, I, I don't have like the most. Uh, I don't have the strongest connection to these characters. I just kind of enjoy for what it was. Yeah. I mean, I don't either. I mean, the midnight sun show up. (laughs) No, (laughs) but I've seen people seeing people kind of bucking for that. I mean, there is that video game coming. So who's say, 
<laughs> Who's to say they won't have something? They're, 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 they are definitely seem to be pushing along those lines of with, with upcoming things. Right, like which version of the Midnight Suns too, right? Right, well, with what we, we know we have coming, and unfortunately a, a, a delo- delayed movie that's coming up, um, you know, we got some, some, some core-ish members, I guess. Or at least a couple. Mm-hmm. Right. Just, uh, I guess this is a, the lightest, lightest spoiler. The werewolf effects are practical. Yes. That's also- the lightest, lightest spoiler. So like when they, you see it, you'd be like, oh, okay. Right. Like they pretty much went that whole like 1930s, 40s kind of, not necessarily, some people were saying Grindhouse uh, when they saw the trailer, but it doesn't, doesn't even go that far. Like it's kind of more like almost harkens back to the 30s and 40s type of uh, horror movies uh, with, uh, or, and the like, which kind of, to its credit, kind of does well because even some of the, the one, there's a one effect for one character that, that shows up that's just, just straight up um, <laughs> kind of some old school Chuck E. Cheeseness, you might say. Mm. So, but yeah, it, I thought it was I thought it was good and fun. I don't really have the um, you know the 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 most affinity for for most of those characters either. That show, well, not most of those. There's only a couple, but that show, characters that show up. But I thought it was a, a good fun thing, and I kind of hope they they revisit it, and they probably will revisit it at some point. It seems like they have plans to do that. Um, I was kind of expecting there to be a certain location to show up. And I don't know in the end if that was that I doubt if that was that place. Um, but I actually, oh, I'm, you, I'm fairly certain you, I don't think where, it is. You mean where uh, the 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 creature normally resides? Right. Gotcha. But I don't I don't think that was that. Um, but yeah, like I said, they have stuff to kind of go on for when they do uh, when they when they revisit these characters. I would like to believe because I'm pretty sure we will we will we will see these folks again. Ah, uh, pretty sure, pretty sure. Yeah, but yeah, that was that. Uh, for for Wolf of Our Night. Now I think we're going to go into Andor. Sorry Which, about Have you that, been keeping but... up with um with this uh, uh Matt? Um, from I, I'm not completely caught up, okay. but I, I'm looking. I'm really enjoying it, and um, you know, I I think um, you know, for fa- you know, obviously for fans of Rogue One. Is a great continuation. Um, I think the acting's good. Um, I think the storyline's tight. Um, and uh, look, I, I think we're really seeing a renaissance in, um, with the Star Wars franchise on kind of um, these platforms, right? right? Uh, not on the big screen, right? Whether it's in games, comics, or, or, or streaming, I think we, you know, I think those are potentially better mediums for the franchise. Yeah, that's true. I, I can I can agree with that. So, uh, but and we won't necessarily spoil Andor either. We're just going to go short stroke and say that uh, you you are caught up with the last episode, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So we're going with the most recent episode. That's what that's what he means. Like the because you, uh, if I recall, Matt, you said that you're a little bit behind. Just a little bit, yeah. So right. I'm, I'm, so I'm, we won't write. So you know that. Exactly. So at the end of the day, what we'll say is that the heist that they're planning right. goes down in this episode. And obviously, every good heist has a good plan, but every good plan <laughs> always has leaks in it or has problems with it once it meets the enemy. And so that's essentially what we deal with in this episode. Right. 
And I will say, given what this is a prequel to, you won't be surprised about some things that happen. Right. Right. Very much in the vein of Rogue One. Yes. Although we did complain that certain characters <laughs> didn't make it through, maybe possibly based on their skin color. So yes, we we definitely yeah, talked about kind that. Kind of complained about the show. that. Yes, there were you know, there were a couple not exactly characters. as bad as a horror film because <laughs> the first person to go was an Asian person, right? But, but it still went as bad as as bad as um the way that kind of thing happens. Right. Sadly. <laughs> right. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, no, it's it definitely, you know, like we, we're not trying to spoil it for both Matt and the followers, the, right. the, the, the viewers at home and the listeners at home who are still catching up because there is literally so much content out there right now that we are all very fortunate to be able to keep up with it on, you know, for ourselves and for the purposes of the show. Mm hmm. So yeah, Ando's good. That's 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 it. Still continues to be good. That's the the bottom line there. Yeah, no, seriously, Tony Gilroy. You know, shout out to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's come up with a great. Uh, you know, he you know he had a great uh, vision for Rogue One, and it's absolutely translated over into a good story for Andor. And we're only halfway through the season. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing that we are halfway through this season. And I think we talked about this earlier that uh, this series w- was going to be in basically like four three episode arcs. So this is the second of this is the 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 the, the midway point. So we've reached the 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 end of the second arc, the second three episode arc. So now we're I guess we're going to see the fallout and what comes after in the next three episodes, and we'll see how that you know. Uh, unfolds over the second half of the season. Yep. That being said, uh, we can push on to Rings of Power. Uh, of oh, which... Pat, are you on top of this? You know, I, 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 um, I, I wish I'm stacking. I'm as they like to say, stacking my the episodes. Hmm. You know what? And I probably, I, I think that would probably be a good way to. That's probably a good way to watch this. <laughs> Like each each individual episode episode's kind of been great. Well, it's kind of been good on their own, but just kind of trying to burn through them at a, at a at a couple other times is probably a good way to go with this one. Right. I'll admit that the early episodes were a little bit of a snooze fest. They were a little on the slow side. You know, I don't. I'm not shy about saying that. At the end of the day, I have a, a much greater affinity for. Lord of the Rings content as opposed to Game of Thrones content, which is unfortunately what it gets compared to, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I stuck with it even though it was a little bit slow at the very beginning. But now we're dealing with events that, you know, you know with, with, with places, people, and uh, events that we've heard of in the Fellowship trilogy – you know, we we hear we hear of we hear about them spoken in the past tense, and we're actually seeing things unfold in 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 in, in the story, and it's just very, you know, it, it's kind of like oh, so that's how this happened, and that, this episode was full of that, right? It, you know, it's funny. My my sister's a big Tolkien fan, like so big, like she's read the Similarian, I think twice. 
Wow. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty yeah. That's hardcore. Hardcore. <laughs> if you've read so, the Sil- Silmarillion twice, that's hardcore. So Prop, this is like this show's right up her alley. So she's very excited for it. Mm-hmm. Has she been picking it apart? Not necessarily picking it apart, but just kind of you know theory crafting, I guess. Not with me. Okay. But you know, she'll you know with you know on some you know Discord channels, mm. and I think some Reddit boards. So <laughs> wow. And then she'll text me. She'll text me some random thing, and I'll be like, I you know obviously I've read the books, I've read the Hobbit, I've read you know, but she'll send something to me that's pretty obscure, and I'm like, you you got me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, shoot, probably just this because there's no way in the hell I was touching the Cimmerillion. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have read the 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 Fellowship trilogy and the Hobbit. Right. Beyond that, though, I don't know, you know. And I read all of those later in life. Mm-hmm. I did not read those like traditionally. That's like a junior high school thing. High school, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know that you know buddies of mine read it in junior high school. You know, before Matt and I uh, met in, in high school. So like a lot of our friends in high school, when we got to high school, had already read it. You know, had already read a lot of the Tolkien stuff. Right. So, but to to get to the short strokes of the show, let's just say, um, this was. A, a dealing with the fallout of things. Yes. Uh, from the from the previous episode. Yes. You know, we're not trying to spoil it for you, Matt, because you will be excited once you get to this part of the right. season. Yes. That's the thing. Like, you know, after the after <clears throat> the kind of snooze fest buildup, there is a point in the show. What is this? Episode seven. So mm-hmm. let's say around episode five, the, the like everything starts to coalesce. Yeah, episode four really, but everything starts to yeah. coalesce. Then you get more action from five on. Wait, wait. You know? So here's the, so here's the question. All the no, but I was gonna say all the plot threads start to come together right. in like three and four. Right. So one and two is like really filled with setup. And once you get to episode four, it starts to coalesce. Five, there's a bunch of action. Six, there's even more action and a big boom. And now we're in seven. <laughs> yes, big bada boom. Um, yeah. So wait, you said you you haven't seen any of it you're just banking the whole series right matt i'm probably i'm probably my guess is i'll probably start like in a couple weeks sure right that's why i didn't but you haven't seen any of it right that's what i was trying to get to right that's why that's why i i I, I was describing it in in as general terms as possible like just laying it out just to give you an idea that you know episode one episodes one and two really are on the dry side you know there's really a lot of world building and establishing characters in yeah. those first two episodes but once they once the story starts to coalesce and like really you know they dedicate a couple of episodes for some storylines and kind of skip over some others and they get you know they kind of retrace their steps to these other characters in later episodes once you get to the middle because i think this is just an eight episode first season right so now this is the penultimate episode and we, you know, as I said earlier, we've really seen a, a couple of things, more than a few things, that we are now familiar with. If you're familiar with the Fellowship trilogy, yeah. and even the Hobbit, and still leaves and still leaves questions on some other things that have sure, been brought sure. up. Sure, sure. With every answer comes more questions. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, I think, the, the, okay. wow, that that was you should put that on a fortune cookie. It's real. Yeah, right. 
I'm sure there, awesome. there, there, there will be a clip out there of it somewhere at some later date. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. But yeah, I, that's... You know what? I, think, I think I saw that on a shirt at New York Comic Con. Oh, Lord. Yeah, right. I'm, I, it's not, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure that's not original. So, but uh, in any event, you know, uh, as Roddy Cat said uh, earlier off the, uh, off the record, you know, prior to recording, um, you know, something unfortunate does happen to one of the cooler characters um, uh, in the show. <laughs> Uh, you know the uh, you know, one of the uh, the leaders, let's say. Mm-hmm. But uh, but overall, I think it was worth making it through those early episodes. I know that there, are, you know, like I said, I've I've heard criticism that some of those early episodes turned people off. You know, because there wasn't any, you know, there weren't any, you know, there were some battles, but there weren't any big battles. There was no sex, no incest. I'm like, no, that's Game of Thrones. You need to go over there. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say that this was the the, the pity party episode. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But I, but at the end of the day, I I kind of saw that like everything was kind of coming together in this right. episode. It was like the picking up the pieces after right. the big boom. Right. So, yeah, like I said, once you get, I would love to hear your thoughts on it, Matt. When you get, uh, when you get to 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 end, to this part, to, to to end of the season. Happy, happy to. Right, so. I'm always happy to share thoughts. <laughs> I was, I was also gonna say it was all because of a leaf, a leaf. Yes, apparently. A leaf. <laughs> when you seriously, Matt, when you get to this, you'll be like, seriously, a leaf. You had to know how far down it went, and now you know. Right, but a leaf. <laughs> Come on. Hey, it, it right. always starts with a. It always starts with a leaf. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> all right, so let me just hit wait, real are quick. We, wait, are we talking about practice? Wait, this is all about practice. We're just talking about practice. Oh, I, I, I was about to say, are you doing an Alan Iverson reference? <laughs> no, like all I was saying, you know, like there, that's actually a specific reference to what happens in that episode, episode seven of House of uh, Rings of Power. Yeah, when like you get there. Because of belief. Yeah. And when, when you, you get, get there, there, you'll be like, oh, seriously? Like, huh, okay. It's all about that. Gotcha. Right. All right, so, so you got um, House, House of Dragons. Drag. Yeah. Right, episode yeah. eight. Right, so I don't know if you're up on this, Matt, at all. Matt, are you up on House of the Dragon at all? What? What? No, no. I'm stacking. I'm stacking those no two. No worries. So just... I'm not. I'm not spoiling this because this is you know this is generally how because Roddy Cat hasn't watched this at all, so I've generally spoken in very general terms about this. Ultimately, uh, you know, we're eight episodes in. And we're dealing with characters jockeying for position as a result of the king, King Viserys, um, you know, in real. It's not necessarily in real time because there's, you know, we're, we're getting a bunch of time jumps in this first season of House of the Dragon. Right. This is all about the house of the, the, the house Targaryen and their and, and their, uh, their 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 rise to power, their 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 reign of power and. You know, if you're if you're familiar with Game of Thrones, their eventual downfall and possible return to power, right? So, in this episode, it's just another, it's just the next stage of characters vying for power because, as I said earlier, these time jumps have basically tracked the reign of a king, King Viserys, 
And now we are very late in this particular king's reign. And everyone is jockeying for position, uh, you know, for the eventual demise of the king. And that is the crux of most of this show. You know, we we're tracking uh, these characters who start very young at the beginning of the show. And thanks to the time jumps, we've seen changes in personality, changes in age, obviously, and changes even in the actors portraying these characters. And we've gotten them up to the point where they are of reasonable age to start considering taking power for themselves. The, the children who grew up had children and now their children are becoming of semi consensual age, you know, like late teens. Uh, you know, that's, th those are, you know, that's pursuant to our standards. These game of Thrones standards are very different. You know, that's putting it mildly, but, um, but ultimately, uh, there's not too many, there aren't too many, I don't think there are any dragons in this episode. It's kind of a shame after we've gotten a bunch of dragons in the previous episodes. But um, <clears throat> that's essentially where we are um, at the end of this episode, is that uh, everyone's kind of jockeying for position uh, because the uh, the king's reign is about to come to an end. So hopefully I haven't spoiled too much for anyone out there. Matt Wang, 97 included. Very exciting. Cool beans. All right. And that is that for <laughs> our recap of uh, TV shows. We are not touching uh, My Hero Academia, Spy X Family, because Veronica has not watched Spy X Family, nor Chainsaw Man, which premiered Tuesday. Well, we, yeah, we were going to get to that when we got to the anime part, but yeah, I, I still haven't watched that yet. I think, and I just forgot about, I had forgotten about that until you just said that. <laughs> Chainsaw totally, Man is crazy. That's what I've heard. You know, I, I know a couple it's of people have been watching it. Right. So I think I've talked to Matt Wang about this earlier, but I've been on an anime journey over the course of the pandemic, right? Now that we're in the tail end of the pandemic, I've already gotten through hopefully that knock on wood the tail end of the pandemic um i've gotten through a lot of anime and i've started to jump on new releases you know one of them being spy x family the other one being now chainsaw man and chainsaw man dropped this week um when we are at new york comic-con this is a nice little segue into our discussion of uh new york comic-con since we've got matt wang on the on the line right now we can talk about New York Comic Con, which just uh, happened this past weekend. It's now a week ago it started. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about that. But one of the cosplays that I saw a lot of was from Spy X Family, was Your Forger. Your Forger as a, as a, as a, a costume for the ladies That's a popular was one. very, very popular. I saw mm -hmm. a few Anyas, but uh, Your Forger specifically in that dress. The black dress, um, yeah. Yeah, that was a, a very, very popular costume for the ladies. So for, for cosplayers, so you know, of many ages. So it was very interesting to see a new anime like that really get a lot of shine at New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've like I'm caught up with the exception of well, I haven't seen the last one. So I've, I did see the the first of the new part, uh, but I haven't seen this this last part, the past episode. So it's out. Sure, I'll definitely get that. Probably wait till Saturday actually when the new one drops. <laughs> sure. 
So, so you know, like I said, so you know, we're seg- we're going to segue now into our our discussion on New York Comic Con 2022. Um, I don't know, Roddy Cat, if you wanted to shift some of the news up front to uh, to talk about. Uh, no, it can, it can, that, that stuff can stick. Well, I mean, I don't know. Let me see. Uh, tell you what, go start talking, and then and I'll, and I'll yeah, because we're going to talk about mostly our experience, and then maybe uh, you know because uh, uh, because Matt's here, and we don't want to have him uh, on too late. Maybe I don't know if there's like a, a block of news stories that are uh, New York Comic Con related. There, there are, um, but some of. The, some of his, oh, a lot of his news, a couple of them is just like, hey, panel, you know, this panel happened, that panel happened. Right, right, right. And, you know, uh, we're about to go into it. So, um, New York Comic Con 2022 is from October 6th, Thursday, October 6th through Sunday, October 9th. <laughs> and I attended Saturday, October 8th and Sunday, October 9th. But at Matt Wang 97 was kind of, you know, he's here kind enough to tell us about his experiences on the other days and including Saturday and Sunday of New York Comic Con. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I had four or four-day pass. I uh, unfortunately couldn't go fr- Friday, um, but I did go Thursday kind of when the show opened. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think the, the thing that struck me, the first thing that struck me was um, the – layout was very different um i think uh you know things were definitely sort of rearranged and i think that's uh part of that is that the the change in mix of exhibitors it felt like in you know agent 70 please you know um let me know if i miss anything here but it felt like retailers selling merchandise there were a lot there were a lot of them um which was great I think there were a lot of specialty retailers, sort of like, you know, um, that were back, like your Super 7s, um, other new ones. There was a new one, Heroes and Villains, um, selling kind of like D&D, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, a little edgier, you know, very high-end, really nice stuff. Um, that was where I went the free sweatshirt. I want a great, beautiful uh, D&D uh expert edition uh uh box with a larry elmore illustration and uh it's very comfortable very high end i was very happy to win that but um i think you know a lot of independent comic book publishers were not there Mm -hmm. what i mean like you know in the past um uh you know the dark horses the valiants um, you know, you know, image, Skype, you know, a lot of those guys would be there, but we've seen this trend since the pandemic that uh, they haven't been showing up to these shows yet. Um, and I think, you know, even San Diego on it, but I, and so other people fill the gap, right? The, the, you know, Agent 70, I spoke a lot about this on the floor on Saturday where we, we have the, when we walk around, but, you know, anime, manga, have really filled that void and, companies like Crunchyroll and the independent publishers and, you know, Webtoons have, have really, you know, um, filled that gap within these shows and, you know, fans are embracing it, which I think is great for, um, it, it's just great for the, the future of these shows and the hobbies we love. But I'll pause there for a second. Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, 
it was, it's something that I thought was a, a byproduct of New York Comic Con's inability to sell floor space to the traditional, as as as, as Matt put it, the traditional comic book publishers. You know, they didn't have big boot space in 2021, and obviously in 2020 it was canceled because of the pandemic, right? So this started last year, and, I, and I'm presuming they entered into a multi-year agreement to put, you know, things like Toei Animation, Crunchyroll, right up front, right where you walk in into the main entrance of the show floor, because there was, again, a giant Dragon Ball display right up front. Like you walk in, uh, Shenron is right there. You know, Shen, you know the, the 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 OG Dragon Ball Z dragon is right there, and you know there are standups of um, from from Dragon Ball Super superhero there. So you get Piccolo, you get uh, aged up Gohan, and um, you know for 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 photo ops. But at the same time, you also get. Um, in some of the other booths, you know, there was a nice stand-up that I know was very popular of the Spy X family characters. You know, the three family characters, the three members of the family, and that had a nice little crowd in front of there every time I passed by to take pictures with the stand-ups of the three characters from Spy X family. So I think that the anime, the manga, the animation studios all took up the spaces that had been uh, left vacant by some of the other comic book publishers. So now you're starting to see that. Um, I even heard people uh, notice or or make mention of it that oh you know I thought they 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 said out loud oh I thought this was gonna be a comic book show. There's so much anime here, and I'm like, well, there's nothing wrong with that because that's part of the culture now. Right. Yeah. No, and and look, I I, I like I thought Reed did a very good job with signage. Compared to other years, you know, we were, you know, I, I never knew where where any of the panels were in your Comic Con. They're just so bad at that. But it was in clear signage. This is where this is. This is where Artist Alley is. This is where the food is. This is where the autographs are. Um, and I, I even thought Artist Alley was laid out. You know, I do like you, like you, Agent Seventy, miss the hangar. Right. I, I, I do. I think this is the best way they've laid it out in years right i think that you know they improved artist alley by leaps and bounds from last year because obviously last year is the first one you know during the pandemic times so you know i feel like uh, they addressed some of the shortcomings from last year the lighting was actually a lot better you know they just must have you know javits might have just redone the lighting during the during the interim period um i agree that the the, the layout was well done um you know, they, they had the, the, the artist lounge area in the back. They had an exclusive signing area in the back. I know on Saturday, that's where the Jim Lee signing was, the ticketed Jim Lee signing was in Artist Alley. Um, I think that what the there's still, you know, Reed Pop still has many areas that it can improve upon. One of them was the reservation system to get into some of the, the, the ticketed signings and the ticketed panels. Because that was a gigantic mess. We've talked about it on the show because you know we we talked about some of the news uh, news we talked about it as uh, news items on the show, um, and I know that I'm sure that there are people who are still very sore about not getting uh, about falling through the cracks in the reservation system because of the you know the crash of the system on the first day and you know not being able to get through on the second day. The other thing that came up 
And a friend of ours, a mutual friend of myself and Matt's, ran into this, and I heard other people complain about this as well, was the autograph area was like a free-for-all. Like it was not run well at all. This might have been a Sunday thing, and I feel like Sunday is the day when things do start to fall, when things do fall apart. Because on Sunday is when uh, some of the staffers have kind of had it after four days of dealing with New York Comic Con. But that's been my experience. I don't know if that if Matt can back me up on that, but um, uh, I you know Sunday was a madhouse. Yeah, it was like you couldn't. I purposely avoided the escalators just because um, you know you and I are savvy. Uh, Connors, right, or, or I don't know, convention goers, and right. so I purposely went the, uh, down another escalator that was less crowded, so I didn't have to deal with the Artist Alley escalator, right? Because there's no staircase, so um, things like that. Like, and I think you know, it's talking to some of the artists and other exhibitors, I think they were, and I'm not sure if this is true, but they they seem to, they seem to think it was like there were less panels especially near the Sunday afternoon. Right. So everyone was hitting the floor. Look, a lot of people were looking for bargains. Yeah. And you were able to get, you were able to get them right Sunday afternoon. You're like, you know, people are packing up, you know, you know, you, you've done it. I've seen you do it. You, 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 I know. Your boxes and you're like, Hey, I'll give you 50 cents on the dollar for that. And they look at you and you're like, ah, I don't want to take it home. So here done. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you that on Sunday, um, we Sunday was like a true, uh, not kids day, but even it was both kids day and family day, right? Because we actually had little reunions with a bunch of friends and family from around, from from all the way around. And I could tell you that I had a friend come in from upstate New York, uh, an old friend, and his family, he's got kids that range in age from uh, just starting college all the way down to junior high school. And so the older kids were free to walk the floor, but the younger two, you know, kind of had to stay with – well, the younger, the youngest one had to stay with mom and dad. And mom and dad were not seasoned con goers, so they were pretty wiped out. They had gone on Friday and – um, had gotten a lot of their stuff done, but then they came back on Saturday and by the time, sa- uh, I mean, they came back on Sunday, that is. And by the time they were, uh, by the time we got to about one or two o'clock on Sunday, they were wiped out. They were done. And so, you know, that is, uh, part in part due to Sunday, as, as Matt said, being a madhouse, like Sunday was like, there was like a crush of people on Sunday. I don't, you know, as, you know, it's probably it probably is due to the fact that there were not that many panels and not many uh, events going on on Sunday that kept people in, in 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 other rooms. But the show floor was a madhouse on Sunday. Yeah, and it was it was, you know, and and the feedback I was getting from retailers was it felt like Thursday they were spending money. People were spending money Thursday and Sunday definitely, um, and I think. People were worried after Friday because it felt like Friday people weren't spending money. But you know, talking to some a bunch of retailers Sunday, they felt like they moved a lot of stock and they weren't bringing that much stuff back. That's good. 
That's it. You know, the the, the retailers I spoke to on Saturday were, you know, kind of reflected that same uh, that same vibe, that same uh, general sentiment, because I think they were hesitant to say they wanted to see what Sunday was like. And then when I passed by them on Sunday, they were all swamped. So that seemed like a good thing that people were out there. They were, you know, uh, doing some uh, doing some uh, some some retail business right there. Matt, were you able to get anything cool for yourself at the con? Uh, well, I, you know, I told you I got my uh, – I got that free – like I was eyeing that sweatshirt uh, and I got it. So I was pretty excited about it. Uh, you know, I'll, let me let me grab it. Uh, why don't you describe what uh, the cool stuff you got? Sure. So I'm going to drop my background because I was only able to get a few things. So I got – I did get a couple more signatures on my Heroes book. Um, I was able to get uh, Dan Jurgens and Tom uh, Derenick, thanks to um, Tom Derenick specifically, thanks to at Matt Wang ninety seven because he spotted his name. So shout out to Matt uh, for that. I also got uh, signed. I actually saw Jonathan Hickman, but the line to see him was so long. So I did not get his signature. I did, though, get Jed McKay's signature, so I had a chance to meet him and say what's up. Um, I got him to sign the Black Cat number one, which is already signed by um, J. Scott Campbell, as you can see here. But you can see McKay's signature right there underneath the title bar of Black Cat. Uh, I did miss him on Sunday, though. I did not get back to his table in time to get him to sign the Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond one-shot. I would have loved to get him to sign this. This was a great one-shot. But, um, you know, that's not so bad. Uh, I did run into John Beatty. And John Beatty is Mike, was Mike Zek's longtime inker. And, uh, you, know, you know, one of the things that I talked to Roddy Cat about, and I know I talked to Matt about, was some of the increased prices for signatures now. Obviously, um, that wasn't always the case with getting signatures. More often than not, signatures were free, uh, and some people abuse that privilege. So, you know, and obviously, as things have gotten more expensive and time has gone on, and collectability and eBay and um, uh, CGC signature uh, 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 certification and, and grading have all uh, raised uh, the profit margins on these books. Uh, so, so too have the, uh, the creators in charging for their signature. So I ran into John Beatty, Mike Zex Inker, and I had the choice to have him sign either Marvel superheroes, secret wars, number one or number eight. So I have both of them already signed by Mike Zek. And even John Beatty said, get number eight signed. What's number eight It's the first appearance. It's the first appearance of the symbiote costume. So I got him to sign here right under the, underneath the title bar. And I got my exec to sign uh, in the past. Now, I would have gone to Jim Shooter, but I was running low on funds because they all wanted 30 bucks to sign Secret War stuff. Right? So hopefully, Jim Shooter, as the New Yorker, I will be able to catch on another go-around. It just happened to be that day I did not want to have to go to the ATM. But one thing I was very happy to get a signature for, and I was very, very happy to contribute, 
to a fund was uh, Jeff Loeb was fundraising for money for the family of Tim Sale, the late Tim Sale who passed away. So when I ran in, so so again, thanks to Atman Wang ninety seven, saw Jeff Loeb. You know he had already uh, passed through um, the con floor on Thursday, so he knew where he was, or at least had an idea where he was. He spotted Jeff Loeb for me, and I got Captain America white number uh, white number zero and Spider Man blue number one signed by Jeff Loeb. I'm pull. I'm holding it up right here. And I previously was fortunate enough, blessed to have had Tim Sale sign these books as well. And Jeff Loeb really appreciated that. And I did not mind in the least uh, ponying up 20, you know, 40 bucks basically for two signatures because it's a worthwhile thing to fundraise for yeah, Tim yeah. Sale's family. And look, Jeff Loeb is a hard one to get, right? He, he, he lives in California, has a pretty production, pretty busy production schedule. Right. You're not going to get him. I usually have only seen him on the West Coast in San Diego Comic Con. So <clears throat> I right. think you did great there. Yeah, definitely. That that was definitely worth it. And I think the last thing that I have, um, I did not get a lot of prints this year. I think it was because my Sunday was just taken up with all like family. I literally had, you know, my sister and my niece in tow. For a, for a lot of the day and my cousin and his family for a lot of the day. And then I ran into mutual friends of ours, you know, uh, that, that I have with, uh, with Matt, I even ran into church friends and, and their kid. So it was very much a family day. Right. Ronnie, you have appreciated this. I mean, when, we, when, you know, when I bumped into agent 70 and we'd roll up onto a table, it was like an entourage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't doubt were it. Like what, what the hell? Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> You know, there was like, you know, he, he had he had like an uncle like taking pictures. Yeah. With a rice cooker. So I did. So, see, I did see some of Agent Seventy's pictures with 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 his, uh, with his fam and stuff. I'm like, yeah, y'all were deep. <laughs> yeah. No, we rolled. Re- yeah. There was a and that was multiple groups too. Right. That was multiple groups that, that that I was rolling with. So it was yeah. very, very fun. I got hungry and put out my hand, so I put a snack in it. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, we ran into a friend, uh, a friend of uh, one of our mutual friends, Jerry Ma, who did the Monkey Prince, right? That one that that uh, that, that Kickstarter book. No, no, no. Your Monkey Prince is a DC character. Oh, no, we, King. We have this, this God, I keep messing that up. It, it's sorry, Agent Seventy, wrong Asian. Ah, oh, is it the Monkey King? Yes. Damn, yes. I keep messing that up. I know it's all based off of the the you know the Journey into the West, the, you know where that Dragon Ball is based off of. So, so it's Monkey King. I apologize. So he does. He, it was a monk. It was Monkey King. And uh, so I picked up this print. It's a, a print of basically all the Asian and Asian American heroes at Marvel, or most of them. You know the the main the mainstream ones. So you have Silk, Sunfire, Jubilee, Shang Chi, and Ms. Marvel, all on one print. So uh, as soon as I get a chance, I think I have a, the appropriate size frame for this, and I am going to put this up on the wall behind me here in the home office. And I know that um, both Matt and myself had commissioned artwork by Agnes Garbowska. I don't have the original in front of me, 
but um i did get um uh, uh, a watercolor i commissioned a watercolor of a demon slayer character that my niece was cosplaying as my four-year-old niece was cosplaying as Suyuri from demon slayer and agnes garbasco was incredibly kind during the entire process yeah no and then and then your niece was watching this get drawn for my girls yes she watched both that and what she was getting for herself so that's amazing that uh hold that up again matt Friday cat did you see that yeah hold it up again because the uh the everybody else didn't see it there we go right so it's wonder woman and batgirl Phenom- in the newer superhero girl style yes nice. phenomenal phenomenal stuff she's She's a sweetheart, Agnes, and you know that's really, really one of the great things that I've discovered over the last couple of uh, New York Comic Cons. Like I discovered her stuff last year, and I, I probably knew about it before. We probably talked about it on the show, but actually having you know seeing her live in person and seeing the prints that she was selling, really you know uh, you know and watching her do these watercolors live, really. Uh, impressed upon me, you know, her skill. Oh, so, uh, here's, an, here's another cool cool thing. I didn't want it signed to me, but he signed it to me. Who's that by? Who do you think? The test. I can see this. Uh, I can see the signature, but I can't make it out. Who is it? Rizzo. Oh, that's right. You told me about that. Eduardo Rizzo. That's cool. That's very cool. And then I had uh, the other piece here. You met my friend Emilio Lopez. Yes. Wow. Snake. Yeah. He's the So he's the colorist for excellence. So he's Kari's colorist. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. On everything he does. So then I just found out on Twitter, and I need to thank him. You know that cover for I Am Batman, where he's fighting um, Asriel in the old in the in the old Batman armor. Yes, I don't know if you see that cover uh, recently, and it, they they basically recreated like a Norm Brayfogel cover, even with like the little little logo box. And the actual Batman logo from that era, you know, like Emilio worked on that, and it was just talking about like all the influences. Nice, oh, very yeah. cool. And then here you asked for this. This is a sweatshirt. Oh, there it is. That is so cool. Oh yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> that's cool. And then, you know, one thing I recommend to people and. Age of 70, I think next New York Comic Con you should do is the um, Disney Publishing, their book publishing arm, always has really nice San Diego Comic Con deals. Mm-hmm. And they always release some new books. So you've got cute children's books like and young adult books. They, they're they premiering the new Wakanda Forever um, uh, children's book. That was like a fairy tale. like a, um, And if you if you bought that book, you got a free, like, beautiful bag. Right, a tote bag. I've done that before. Yeah. Did they do something this year? Yeah, they they had that tote bag, it. and then they had did a continuation of the San Diego um, uh, offer 
where I think it, it was like if you bought like over 20 bucks worth of stuff, which is not hard, right? You buy like two right. bucks. Right, exactly. You, you got like one of the vi- – like, you know, their, their theme this year is villains. So you got like the villains back. Oh. And then, right, I remember two, a, two versions of that. I remember getting, I think it was a a, 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 a Rocket and Groot book. And like, I think last year or two years or, or three years ago, I remember hitting up Disney Publishing for kids' books uh, for, uh, uh, you know, at New York Comic Con. So I do, I definitely remember that. I just didn't, I don't know what happened to my schedule on Saturday. Like, it just decided to go up in flames. Like, you know, I must have missed a bunch of things that I normally see. But I think it was partially due to the change in layout. Because uh, I, I wasn't 100% sure where some things were. Um, obviously, I was familiar with where a lot of the anime and the animation stuff was because right up front. But I, I, I forgot to go towards that retail area on the show floor where the publishing – where Disney publishing would be. Like towards like the – you have to go north from that main entrance. And it's on the front side where like you know past the toys but before you get to like the hardcore like smaller retailers. So that's where I forgot to go. But I'll tell you I did dig a deep dive into the uh, the smaller retailers in the back. That's where a lot of commerce was going on on Sunday. There was a lot of it. It was jammed back there because people as Matt said were looking for deals and, and, and retailers and booths were definitely in the mood to uh, make some deals. That was a madhouse back there. Like the second you went towards that back area where the smaller retailers were, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. But overall, a uh, good show for both of you. Would you? Yeah. Say? Yeah, I, I think it's it's always uh um you know it it, it it's always uh. <coughs> I think I think the changes were for the better. I think um, I, I I I I I like the diversity of product. Um, even like the food layout was different, and you know, yet you just gotta keep making changes. It keeps us all excited about the show. Well, and uh, I think keeps things from getting stale. And I hope they continue to support Artist Alley. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they, you know, there are obviously some places where they can improve, like like that autograph area. You know, I heard a, you know a bunch of different bad stories about the autograph area. That's never. I don't know how they can run that better than 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 how they're doing it right now. Uh, maybe as I said earlier, it's just the staff kind of losing their patience on a Sunday, and it just became a free for all because that's what our friend Joe said um, that autograph the autograph area was a free-for-all on sunday um the uh uh the cosplay area was pretty fun on saturday i did not have a chance to go there on sunday because i I had so many people in tow behind me but i i missed seeing what that looked like on sunday Uh, fortunately for the four days of comic-con we actually had very good weather you know the first two days thursday and friday uh the temps were in the low 70s in here in new york city so I'm sure there were plenty of people outside, and maybe that's why there wasn't as much business going on um, Thursday. Well, maybe there was plenty on Thursday, but maybe not so much on Friday uh, because the weather was so nice and people were just outside eating and you know hanging out with the cosplayers. I, I think my favorite costume was the um, the, the Mandalorians. I think those were my favorite. 
there was a there was a couple guys. No, it was Mandalorians, and then they had like work, they had like hover cycles. But yes. then I think my yeah. favorite one. I don't know if you did you see the the new egg um, armor? It was sponsored by New Egg, and it was basically a guy in like robotic power armor, and you hurt, and he was like towering over people and like no. walking the show. No, I did not see that. I definitely saw. I mean, we both saw the the, the Mandalorian with his motorcycle slash uh, speeder. That was pretty cool down too. Yeah. What's that? I think I saw a, 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 someone that posted a picture of that also. Right. I definitely posted a picture of that too. Yeah. Um, I would say that um, you know, Mandalorians were popular. I know that um, uh, I saw a really nice looking Psylocke. Shout out to at the Phoenix. Um, you know, she's pretty fly as a cosplayer. Um. I think that's her. I think that's her Insta post, or her her Insta um, tag tag name. Uh, what you call it? Uh, uh, username. Um, what else? But uh, you know, I, I think that uh, outside, you know, I guess it's what it is. They only have so much space. It's limited. They have food trucks there for for people to get, uh, you know, to get to have other uh, sources of food. So, you know, uh, cosplay is kind of split up into kind of two areas um, in that roadway. Um, I do, you know who I did meet? And I was telling Roddy Cat this, uh, a, a relatively internet famous cosplayer named Allison Tabitha. She's well known for doing um, the Gal Gadot uh, Wonder Woman. So if you, if you look her up on Instagram, it's like A-L-Y-S-O-N. Right. And once you put that in, you'll, you'll see a couple of her uh, usernames. Uh, there but she was a featured guest of the show and i met her and she was super cool um you know i met her late on saturday they had her up in like the cosplay area like you have to go up past the food court um up past like that second level food court so like where the 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 i think there was a manga library a a manga a manga borrowing library up there as well Mm -hmm. so you know that was one of the different things that they they put into the show this year as well you know there were a bunch of different little things that you had to kind of really check the map for and kind of uh to, to to find that's cool that's cool yeah yeah you know like i think it. that was like a cosplay area they had like the cosplay judging up there too so you know and cosplay panels up there like specifically for cosplay so it was it was pretty interesting you know there's like i said there's still so much that they can improve on but you know there it's you know, it, it's starting to get back to normal. It's not there yet. You know, we didn't have that much stuff that was like offsite. Like, remember, there was a a time when there were like huge panels at like um, there's like a theater on th- I want to say 34th Street where they had like big panels like Walking Dead yeah, stuff and right. hey, Hammerstein Ballroom. No, the Hammerstein Ballroom, right? And at the end of the day, they haven't gotten to that level. Uh, back, they haven't gotten back to that yet. So we'll see where that, you know, we'll see when that comes uh, probably in the near future, let's hope. Yeah, no, they, they've got it for um, San Diego. That's all back. Mm-hmm. Right, but I agree with you. Yeah, so we'll see, how 20, we'll see how 2023 goes. Hopefully we're all in better shape to, uh, to get back to that next year. Right, right, yeah. So Matt, how long have we got you for? Um... About probably another fifteen minutes. All right, cool. So since we we can talk about some news, uh, some news bits from the show, we'll we'll 
I guess we're basically going in backwards. We normally we don't do news around the time. But um, let me switch this over to here. And um, I guess I'll start here because that's something from this week's books. Anyway, Marvel reveals X-Men's uh, Sins of the Sinister trailer. So did you did you get a chance to see that? You mean you mean Age of Apocalypse with Mr. Sinister? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically. I, mean, I heard that I heard like I didn't I I heard that same comment. I feel like we've said that same comment like when when this was first announced. Look, I I'm really excited for, you know, the 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 their spicing. I'm really excited for the Nightcrawler's comic cuz I want to see like Nightcrawler mixed with Wolverine, Nightcrawler mixed with whatever. Yeah, very excited for that. So that's the next, yeah, so that was the next bit of uh, the news talking about the um, the hybrid characters. Um, and that was during the uh, next big thing panel, which, you know, the trailer came out back. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that too, because again, uh, I think it's bringing back that stuff from that they kind of introduced in Hoxpox, if I'm not mistaken, because they kind of teased that whole yeah. future Chimera stuff. The, the only thing, you know, one thing and I'm going to bring you back to the 90s, Uh-oh. is remember when Age of Apocalypse came out and, like, you know, Marvel was in a different place. They, you know, they, you never, you know, they were, you know, I, if I'm, they were going through financial, you know, financial troubles and no one knew the X-Men comics were coming back. Right. 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 Like, so I think that was part of the excitement of Age of Apocalypse. Man, talk about, I mean, it wasn't necessarily pre-internet, but definitely pre what the internet is now. Right. So, no, it was, it was, we, we still depended on Wizard Magazine for all our, inter- like, future news. Yeah. Right. Right. Social media wasn't even, wasn't even a thing, basically, it was, especially right. the way it was, the way it is now. Right. So. so um, funny. Let's see. Next is, I can't, re- I can't remember, sorry, Dr. Dr. is mm-hmm. Kieran Gillen the one Writing sins of sinister. Yes. Right. So, so that like that's great. Like he's got it. You know, I read his newsletter. He's got Judgment Day, right? And it leads to this. Right. So, how are you feel? So, are you up on uh, Judgment Day? Just out of curiosity. I mean, wait. I already rated Agent Seventy like this. Like I started here <laughs> and I went like that, and then and then like and then and then he like put me in some like. You know, told me I couldn't blow him up and just like recreated it. And I blew up Iceland, so I'm caught up. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so, so, so is that um, Kieran Gillen? Is that a Substack newsletter or is that uh, just his regular? It's a free, no, it's a free one. It's a free. You know, I. It's a free one. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say I, I should probably subscribe to that because I subscribe to Jason Aaron's free newsletter, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I get emails from him. But oh, um, I should do that. Well, that's the one I should sign up for. That one's probably really good. Right. I should definitely, I should definitely sign up for Kieran Gillen because, you know, Kieran Gillen really got me when uh, when they had uh, the progenitor Judge Cap the way they judged him, <laughs> but now they he's kind of redeemed himself in my eyes as the Judgment Day story has progressed. So, um, did you ever read Die? You know, Kieran no, Gillen. I think I'm familiar with it, though. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's right on my alley. You know, it's like Kieran Gillen's a big tabletop role playing guy. Mm. 
like yeah, very then, much yeah. into that. That's part of his newsletter. Um, so it's really it's it's that die was like a great indie comic from Image that was amazing. But, right. I think um, we talked about that when it first started, but I think none of us kind of stayed on it or you know right. after the first issue. Yeah. Um. But uh, but going back like. The etern- what he's done with the Eternals, if you read his new like his newsletter, you pick up a little bit of it of it, is probably what I think we all wish like the inhumans would have been. Mm. Yeah. I mean, some of the eternal stuff to me was a little hard to follow. I don't know how you felt about it, Matt. I didn't mind the the inhuman stuff. I felt I felt like they tried to expand it too much, you know, because they needed to populate um you know the 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 hole that they felt was there because they didn't want to exploit the X-Men, you know, because of, you know, uh Promutter's edict, right? So whereas with the Eternals, they've already they they were already like kind of like this larger group of people so that, you know, they only had to really emphasize this group that they were going to have in the movie. Yeah, and, but you know, for 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 me maybe I, I think you know Cersei was always an Avenger to me, just right. because you know I, you know you guys all make fun of me for the uh, for loving the the, the 90s jackets uh, era, <laughs> right? And so she, I, you know, I, I always have fond memories of her. And then you know I, I, you'll make fun of me again when I say like you know that Avengers 300 issue where like who knew who the Avengers were going to be? It was it became like the Captain, Mister Fantastic. Invisible mm-hmm. Woman and Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Right. So I was yes. like, Gilgamesh always mm-hmm. is a soft spot because he only lasted like three issues, right? And then he had to like be kicked off the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I had a, I had a good time with with some of the stuff that happened after that, like when they went into you know when they when when they when they fought uh, uh, Zeus and the Olympians. Yeah. No, you know, so, that's actually before that. Come to yeah. think of it, no, was it before? But, no, because no, Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh was with them at that time. So yeah, he was. That, and that's when he got kicked off the team. Right. Right, so, right, right, right. But, but, but you know what? I, I know, like, I don't, I read Avengers, I read X-Men, I don't read Eternals, but I think when I read Judgment Day, I was like, you know what? I like what I saw there. I'm going to go back. Okay. Those other issues. And I think that's what he was supposed to do, right? And he made it different enough. And I think, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the hook like the hook he put in there for the internals and how they stay alive. I was like, wow, why didn't anyone ever think of that earlier? Right. Right. It's a play on, I was about to say, it's a play on the X stuff, right? It's definitely a play on the Hawks Pox stuff, the resurrection stuff, but it's also a way to differentiate itself. And I appreciate this because Roddy Cat and I have, uh, have kind of complained about the MCUification of the comics you know, over the last several years, and this particular aspect of the Eternals is a twist on that, right? It's a twist on what's in the movie, right? Because in the movie, it was more like, you know, they're they're just a bunch of you know pre-programmed robots, whereas here they're still programmed, but it's it's not exactly the same. Correct. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that Gillen, you know, made that effort to make it not exactly like the movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What we got going All righty. Um, What's next? Let's look over here. So, Captain America Cold War 
uh, Cold War erupts across the Marvel Universe. This was a article off of uh, the Captain America Captain America uh, panel from Thursday night. Um, I don't. I know Agent Seventy. You didn't get a chance to go to this one, uh, Matt. Did you happen to catch that uh, panel, the Captain America panel? No, no. I, 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 I read the after. I read the aftermath. I mean, I, I'm a big Cap fan. I just haven't been able to like get into, um, uh, the the two new titles, hmm. and it's not because I'm not a fan of the both of them. I think, um, I. You know, I um, it just you know, I'll be very honest. Like, I, I just didn't know who the writers were, so I was just like, I, I'm not going to get into it. But um, I did. I thought the panel was really interesting. Like, I read what happened at the panel. I thought it was very interesting. Um, I I I'm not sure how uh, you know the twist that they talk about. I'm not sure how um, what I think about it. But you know, I, I know they've been struggling to figure out a home for that character. So maybe this is the home. Right. So yeah, we have an article basically going through the the, the talking points of that uh, whole panel. Which won't go, you know, won't go full into. But yeah, it seems like a, they're going to do something. <laughs> they're doing something with it. You know what I would say is, you know, one the uh, the writers on the uh, the Steve Rogers title were actually former guests of the show. Right. Uh, uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. So we've had them on our show before for a, a, a creator owned book that they were, that they were writing. And, um, ultimately I, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's, everything seems to be a twist on things that we've read. That shows you that we're all, you know, um, like we really are because we're starting to see some storylines, not recycled, but we start to see twists on storylines that we've read that we read as younger readers being adapted by people who are our contemporaries or even younger than we are right so say these writers now are roughly in our age bracket or maybe even a little younger and they're looking to do their own twist on some things that they read Roger Stern write or that they read Mark Grunwald Grunwald write or even you know perish the thought stuff that Brubaker has already touched on, especially when it comes to dealing with the Winter Soldier. So um, that's what I'm starting to see, you know, and I think that, you know, when we were dealing with uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, I definitely saw what periods of Captain America's history he was mining to tell his story. It was clear as day, like what his influences were. Right. And this story... Uh, you know, this Cold War story as they're dealing with these kind of two parallel stories. It's I haven't read this yet, so I do need to see what they have planned for this Cold War story about how they're all going to intersect together. Because up until now, it's been hard to see how they intersect, although we kind of see them heading towards, you know, um, I guess heading towards confrontations with the big bads of their opening arcs. And I guess that's where the crossover is going to come in. I, I could be wrong. I haven't read this article. Right. So, um, <clears throat> I was, yeah, I, I was going to say something about, yeah, some of that stuff, like, like you've been saying, it's like, yeah, some of them are pretty much like, Hey, this is, their, this is their influence. And this is, you know, where, where they formulated it. Some of it, I feel like is 
and it's probably board bears out there, right? This was the 80th anniversary of Marvel, so they kind of wanted to rehash some, not rehash, but bring up some old event storylines. Like a lot of that stuff kind of came out, but because of that, I'd like to believe it may have been said as though I don't know, but mm-hmm. I, I do agree with you with Buzz. Like, yeah, it's just certain uh, writers, creators of certain age, just kind of mining that stuff that they grew up with or we all grew up with. So. Right. Um, I guess next up is Marvel's EIC's talk, Strange Academy and new artwork. This was from another panel um, with uh, C.B. Sabolsky, um, with uh, Nick Lowe, and, uh, well, Hickman was supposed to be there, but he wasn't. Humberto Ramos was there. Um, and if it's anything like that Spider-Man panel, I can, I can imagine Nick Lowe was just kind of going. <laughs> okay. But um, <clears throat> the, uh, it says here that it started with Sabolsky eulogized the late uh, Kim Jong-ji, excuse me, who passed on earlier this month. Uh, he passed away sh- right before the con, like the right. day before the con. Right. Uh, and there was some uh, new artwork for Strange Academy. Uh, looks like the Strange Academy 18. Uh, there was some discussion about that. We were talking about uh, talking to uh, Humberto Ramos about working on the series. Uh, but that's pretty much the the gist of this panel. Uh, but it's the next one, I believe. Pink. Yeah, Marvel announces the future of Spider-Man and X-Men during the next big thing panel. So I don't know if any uh, of you caught any of that. Right. This is that dark web stuff. Yes. Right. So they actually had uh on the Marvel booth, the backside of the Marvel booth had a dark web. Um, had dark web like uh, uh, a sign and artwork on the back of the Marvel booth. If you approached it from behind, and you would see it as a big uh, uh, advertisement of this upcoming event. Okay, yeah, and I think they also talked about the the fall of X stuff also um, in the panel in this panel. So we get to, uh, I believe, let me look at this next article. Which uh, nope, that's not it. Uh, but yeah, so dark web and the fall of X stuff was also talked about in this uh, in the panel and upcoming um, upcoming X Men stuff. Like, so there's right. a Hollow's Eve issue, there's a uh, Red Goblin stuff, there's um, uh, Sins of Sinister also with the with those uh, the tie-ins that the, that were announced. And uh, let's see, um, yeah, fall of X, summer of 2023. Oh, and there's also the summer of uh, symbiotes. Which is also next summer, mm. um, which I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> but just, um, it says here that the summer of symbiosis has to do with Venom, Carnage, and Red Goblin, uh, and more. And the Fall of X uh, event is basically another Hell, uh, Hellfire Gala and uh, the X Men's future stuff. Did, didn't we just go through King and Black? King and Black. Didn't I just go through that? Okay. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, yes, yes we, did. we did. You're never getting away from it, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I, I, I will with the symbiote. <clears throat> I will ask a question before I go. Okay. Matt, did you have you guys read? Did you read the Carnage series? I think it ran for about almost 18 issues. Nope. It was the one. It was the one where. Um. Uh, they Carnage gets kidnapped by a bunch of cultists. 
and then the, the characters were um it was uh 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 moon wolf was in it um one of the guys from the dark hole redeemers um it was uh eddie brock um i don't know if you read so so basically the story was did do you remember the tomb of dracula where blade was introduced in the 70s right they basically did the tomb of dracula but for carnage and it was basically it, it was like it, it was a focus on the characters hunting him and like this whole rather than just like a bunch of symbiotes fighting right and it was pretty you know i'm not the biggest carnage guy but like that series it's not that long was was awesome it was just a fu- it was like a fu- it was like reading a tv series hmm. well funny you should mention blade because there's a there was an article about uh that that blade's daughter series that's like finally coming out yeah that yeah. is also there so before we let you go and i'm i'm, I'm probably going to be putting you on the spot with this but i have to ask this question um yeah. or bring this up invincible video game officially in the works do you, do you you have any you know any um know anything else yeah. about that? You know they uh, I I I you know I I I I know if you look at what everything Skybound's doing, um you know they're you know, they have I think great access to development talent, um and they have great um, access to uh, and they've been you know working on creating their own video games so. You know, obviously, with the success of the show, um, it would make sense that they would be making something. Okay, KG, I you like. like it. Did you like, did you like my not answer? I like it. I appreciate it. I, I, I that that was a very um that was a very um uh um media trained answer. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. I love it. But yes. yes. <laughs> when, when when are you guys going to join me in San Diego one year? Hopefully oh, soon. Yeah, really. I, soon. I can only hope that could happen sometime soon. Hopefully soon. That's oh, man, did you man. did you did I, I can't remember if you were big on Transformers. Or not. I am. Did you did you see one the news about the who's playing in the that new movie and did you see any um uh, any exclusives from the show? They're pushing Earthspark a lot, mm-hmm. like all over the place. Um, uh, I did, yes, I did see the announcement. I, um, I, I am also excited by the new the new guys. You know, I, I the new guys holding the license for the comic, um, and. Uh, uh, I, I think, and, and I'm very hopeful for the show because I, I'm hoping the show will build up a, 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 a young audience who will love Transformers mm-hmm. uh, the way we love them. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, before Matt goes, I wanted to say that um, it's interesting that, you know, I, I, I decided to pull back, obviously, in the wake of the pandemic uh, last year. I didn't even try, even though we kind of uh, are... Our, our tried and true system of getting uh, badges kind of fell through and we weren't able to get Saturday badges last year. Remember? So yeah. uh, we only I only was able to pick up a Sunday badge last year. So, you know, one day was enough, especially in the first pandemic uh, 
the, the first con during the pandemic times. This year, I think because my Sunday was so full of family stuff, I really missed out on a few things that I did want to see. So I'm thinking maybe this coming year I'll try to get, if not a four-day pass, go back to getting something like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday package where I have an extra day, if not a full day to myself, you know, an extra full day to myself just to walk the floor and see things and maybe scout some things out. Um, I don't know if next year Sunday might be another family-filled day and it won't be – you know, I just won't be able to do things on my own. Um, Look, I, 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 I think you should not to. Not, I, I, I think you should either get a Thursday or Friday yeah. and walk. You know, walk it. You know, walk it Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Like you know, we're we're in a slightly different work world where yeah. you know you don't have to be at your desk all the time, and if you you take a you know, Javits Center is not that far from our offices. Right. So right. right. I'm encouraging him to play hooky. <laughs> of course. No but, no, but you know what's funny is that it's not even that you have to play hooky, especially on the weeknights because they're open late. So you don't necessarily have to be there for everything but just to get the lay of the land and just to see things, see where things are. There are still things happening in the evening. Because that's what I used to do when I had a four-day pass is that I would go Thursday night and then cut out of work Friday early. So I'd be there for half a day and then Saturday and Sunday. That was my normal uh, schedule for when four-day passes were were the thing. When they phased out the four-day pass, that's when you had to really start to think about which days you're going to go for. But now that if they keep the four-day passes, I may – plunk down the money for a four-day pass so i can go back to that because that seems to be the way i operate bet the best mm-hmm. is when i have a chance to really get as as matt did on thursday go for part of the days he missed friday but he at least had a chance to know where things were on thursday so that when saturday came he still had a few things to take care of and even on sunday is when he he was still working on getting something commissioned on sunday same as me so, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, you know, you know, we have to use our time as well as we can when we're on the con floor. So, um, you know, I'm starting to think maybe I, I, uh, next year I'll have to think, think strongly, think carefully about, uh, getting, a, a, a the four, going back to the four day pass just because it, you know, just because it, it felt like, uh, I missed a lot of stuff this year, but for good reason. You know, for good reason, because Sunday was really about like, you know, like, you know, like getting together with people I hadn't seen in, in, in a while. It was a different experience. It was the first time that's ever happened to me. You know, most of the time at the con, I run into uh, Matt and like a few other people that are like re- that were really comic centric people that we both, you know, knew as new uh, growing up, you know, in school. So. Yeah, no, same, same thing. It was, it, it was hard, you know. Someone's wearing masks. You 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 don't know if you're bumping into people, and um, you know I I think what's nice about walking around Artist Alley, you do bump into people, right? Even when you're wearing a mask. Yep, 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 yep. yep. <clears throat> All right, Matt. I know you you gotta you got to to, to to get up going, and we need to finish this up. So, but it's always uh good to have you, sir. 
no, it, it's 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 always a pleasure to see you guys and and chat about shows and news and um, you know, as I said, I always like to to to, to always share my perspective and and uh, you know, hopefully my uh, you know my my comic book knowledge sometimes fits into some of the gaps you guys have. So I always appreciate you letting me. Uh, uh, amuse myself by doing that. <laughs> of course, man. Hey, when of they get this the Stingray Marvel, uh, that Marvel TV show for Stingray out, you know, we're, we're sure to have you on when they announce well, it. Don't worry, don't worry. I, you know, I already, um, I, uh, I packaged. You know, I know your one of your favorite uh, crossovers with Dead Man's Hand. Oh no! The Daredevil <laughs> Punisher and Nomad. So I, I got all nine issues for you. I, I'm sending it over. Oh my gosh! Well, just, just make sure that it doesn't require a signature this time. <laughs> Matt knows Matt, that is an inside joke between myself yeah. and Matt. So, yeah. all, right. all right, man, take it easy, it's Matt. Manhattan is in the house. I didn't have a chance to play that earlier. There he goes. All right. So as I switch over to here and fix the. Man, these, what is going on with these views? Yeah, we are now all out of sorts here, folks, to, because, we, you know, we have to accommodate our guests tonight. Yeah, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue with the news, actually. So let's sure. uh, So let's back up to the beginning of the comic book news, which was only a couple sure. of, uh, before that New York stuff, while I tried to fix this stupid Skype thing. <laughs> hey, you know what? You were ha- you were already having problems, and now we've got a, you know uh, you know then we had a guest to complicate things. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, well, that, you know, that's part of that I couldn't have accommodated for until what is happening until he got on. So there is that. All right. So do you want me to start with this first comic book story? It's in manga uh, territory, so I will re- I will play both. A transition for comic book news and, uh, you know, what will be played for anime news. Yeah. There we go. Gundam manga artist's first female protagonist pitch was rejected due to sexism. Yikes. Before Suleta Mercury, a Gundam manga artist once pitched a female protagonist that was met with a negative reception and ultimately rejected. According to Anime News Network, Koichi Tokita, the manga artist known for his alternate universe series in the franchise, including Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, Mobile Fighter G Gundam, and Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Astray, showered the first episode of Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury with praise. Uh, in particular, he was pleased that the series had a female protagonist starring in it. In a tweet, he said, a long time ago, I supported a female Gundam protagonist, but was told that a Gunpla belonging to a female character would not sell. Now we live in an age where we can have a female protagonist, and she has a plastic model, too. I think it's great. He's so happy. So good for them. About yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, uh, let's see. So we have uh, some more. What is happening here? Okay, here we go. So um, we have talked previously about the death of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh creator Kazuki Takahashi. Um, But what we are recently finding out was that apparently um, he was he died trying to save people. Yikes. 
Yeah, so as reported by some site, I guess, uh, from this uh, um, 49-year-old U.S. Army officer, uh, Major Robert Bourgeau, um, who apparently has been nominated for a Soldier's Medal for rescuing people during a riptide at Mermaid's Grotto in um, Ona, Okinawa on July 4th. Uh, it says here, unbeknownst to Bourgeau, at the time, uh, um, the 60-year-old... Um, Kazuki Takahashi attempted to aid the rescue before being caught up in the riptide himself. So, um, uh, yeah, and I guess it came out later that, uh, you know, who, uh, who was helping and that he died in the, in the course of helping. But, uh, this, um, this, uh, tweet says here is like, he was a hero. Once again, thank you. Thanks for everything. Takahashi, um, from the article, uh, that was uh that that mentions this. So yeah, that's um, that's wow. That's, yeah, that's crazy. That's tough news, folks. Yeah. Uh, but next up, all right, One Punch Man artist and more manga favorites are teaming up for a Marvel Comics tribute. So Viz Media announced during New York Comic Con that they will be launching a special new collection dubbed Marvel Comics, a manga tribute on shelves in the United States sometime in the summer of 2023. There's no release date for the new collection just yet. Viz Media has revealed the first look at these new tributes that showcase new takes on Marvel hero Spider-Man, Black Bolt, Doctor Strange, and Ms. Marvel from some very notable names from the manga world. So that includes uh, One Punch Man's illustrator and Witch Hat Atelier's creator and many more. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to checking that out if uh, when it happens. Yeah, next summer. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Namor, now we're getting into the comic book news. Uh, Namor, the Submariner's new Marvel series, in, in, introduces Old Man Namor. Um, now, this is actually for this week's uh, Namor Conquered Shores, which I'm fairly certain neither one of us had, had a chance to read. Nope. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's a new miniseries from, uh, Christopher Cantwell and artist Pasquale Ferry and finds, uh, Namor ruling over the planet over a hundred years in the future. However, one change to the Marvel universe is the majority of earth is now underwater, which takes advantage to someone who thrives underwater. So I'm kind of wondering, is this like supposedly after or around the whole wasteland stuff or it, i mean i don't even know if that's the same history same uh, future or not yeah that'd be interesting to see if that tracked along with that uh old man logan timeline right so but uh yeah there's a but this article gives a preview of uh namor conquered uh shores uh by the creative team and with uh, matt Hollingsworth on sh- uh colors and uh vc's joe caramagna to round out the creative team but yeah, if you Our want to say Python. <laughs> yes. Uh with that. Next up though. The Guardians of the Galaxy set out to rebuild their family. A new Guardians of the Galaxy comic is headed to a galaxy near you in spring of 2023. So as revealed at the Marvel Comics Next Big Thing panel during New York Comic Con this past week, a new Guardians of the Galaxy comic book series will launch in spring 2023. Stay tuned in the months ahead for more info. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot about that outside of the the picture that if you're watching the video version, you can see and the, the, the tag underneath it. So I'm quite interested as a Guardians fan of what that's what the whole thing is about. 
It makes sense. They'll probably do it in you know sometime deep in the winter where they'll where they will announce the creative team. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and going to back up one quick second just to kind of give because uh, I know we touched upon it, but Marvel gives Blade's daughter her first ever solo series. Um, and this was oh, that's why I skipped that. Right. That's why. I yeah. No. That, I know, but I think I'm um, to see if it says. Uh, I think the creative team is on this, or I might be wrong about that. Okay, no, but we do have a release date. So, um, but yeah, this came out during 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 uh, during the New York, and all we have looks like so far is that it's Blaze's daughter, which her name is Brielle uh, Brooks, and. Uh, the title of the book is called Bloodline Daughter of Blade, and it is coming out. It's going to be released uh, February 2023. We didn't get to say that part earlier. Got it. All right. Next up. All right. Marvel Comics announced a new limited series starring the Silver Surfer, Norrin Rad, and a mysterious force um, at New York Comic Con. Uh, so this was announced during the Marvel's Voices, the World Outside Your Window panel. And... This is going to release in 2023 from writer John Jennings, artist Valentin DeLandro, and cover artist Torin Clark. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking for a release date. Oh no, there's no specific release date, but they talk about uh, they talk about uh, the general gist of the story in that there is an earthbound character and a family that moves into a quiet town of Sweetwater, but nothing is what it seems with their new home. What mystery did Tony, that's the main character and her family un- unravel that would call upon the Sentinel of the Spaceways, the Silver Surfer. This sounds <clears throat> somewhat dance lots run, but hopefully it's going to be very different. Yeah. And given the intro of this new character, uh, I suspect it would be because, you know, um, because while we did get Dawn out of that series, we're getting, I guess, a whole new hero out of this one, looks like. So, oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, let's see, that was the But we get the return of Toomey, maybe. <laughs> one can only hope. One can only hope. Uh, we talked about the Summer of Symbiote stuff and the Fall of X stuff. Those are the events that are coming. Uh, the Ronin strikes back in uh, Marvel Star Wars Visions number one, which I don't think you read either. Neither nope. one of us read? Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, Lucasfilm's critically acclaimed Disney Plus anime anthology series, uh, Star Wars Visions, introduced the world to the uh, mysterious Ronan and his loyal droid R5-D56. Uh, as seen is in Kamikaze Duga's uh, The Duel, the Ronan saved uh, a sleepy village from the menacing Sith, yet himself wields a crimson lightsaber, raising questions about his past and true nature, just in case you forgot, you know, the, 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 the crooks of that story. So it says here, in a new story written and illustrated by Takahashi um, Okazaki, one of the artists behind the duel, Marvel's Studios' Visions one-shot finds the Ronin before he arrived in a small town to face an agent of the dark side. Uh, and then there's a, the article goes on to a preview of the book, which again, that book came out, came out this week. Uh, so if you haven't picked it up yet and you want to check out the previews, go for it in this article in the show notes. Next up. All right, uh, new on the Marvel Unlimited app, a casual cruise through space takes a wild turn <clears> in Marvel's <throat> Voices, Nova Infinity comic number 20. Nova Sam Alexander and Viv Vision 
investigate a stalled out spacecraft only to get dragged into an intergalactic intergalactic planetary <laughs> battle of identity choice and, and and integrity okay so this is available now mm-hmm. on yeah. the Mark unlimited app yep uh next up uh, Black Panther, Myth, uh, excuse me, uh, Memphis writer pens new Panther's Rage adventure for Marvel. So this is um, an article speaking with and talking to the writer of the, I think it's a new prose book, uh, Sherry Renee Thomas on Black Panther, Panther's Rage. Yes, it is a 325-page hardcover novel that uh, is actually out. Uh, wait. Oh, wait. No, it's been out actually it was i came out october 11th um which was yeah a couple of days ago uh from titan books and pink one random house and the article goes on to talk to the article i mean excuse me i'll talk to the writer of the the book about it and herself next up all righty she hulk attorney at law finally gets a she hulk funko pop i didn't realize that there's there's a a, 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 a lag i guess i thought they already had some Oh, for the show? Yeah, I'm not. I guess that maybe this might be some more, because I, I thought the same thing. Right. So the She-Hulk Attorney at Law Funko Pop featured in this article features Jennifer Walters in her sparkly glitter gala dress and is available for pre-order at Entertainment Earth. Um, yeah. So it follows a, a pop figure of the villain Titania, and okay. I get yeah I guess uh, there's also a, an abomination a Wong and there's a Jen Walters and um and uh Nikki Nikki, Nikki yeah. Ramos as well as well as a Hulk a Mark Ruffalo Hulk in a different uh, outfit as well yep um I guess potential spoilers for something possibly but probably not uh New York Public Library special edition Spider-Man library card has, is now available yeah, I'm going to try to get mine this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know somebody else who's up that way who's uh, said it was going to get it. I meant to ask him if they got it or not. But, um, I haven't gotten it yet. Um, I have to make my way to a public library. Um, what's fun in uh, New York is that you don't have to be a resident of New York City or of the boroughs to get a particular public library card. But you do have to get a you know uh, a, a specific library card for Manhattan and the Bronx hmm, because okay. Brooklyn Queens have their own library uh, systems. Gotcha. So I have a Brooklyn lo- uh, public library card and I have a New York public library card. So, uh, for Manhattan. So I plan on stopping by a library ban- branch, if not tomorrow at the latest Monday to try to get, um, to try to get a Spidey card to replace it. It's, it's just a replacement, right? Yeah. The fact that Spidey's on, it has, has very little bearing. You need to replace yeah. the card anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I need a new one. You know, I got, I got, you know, they expire. So I got to see if mine is expired. I think I renewed mine last year. So I think it's okay for like another, you know, I think it's like two years, every two years. Really? But huh. yeah, something like that. I don't, yeah, maybe I need to check mine then. But I don't know if that's, if it applies the other way. Cause I don't think, I haven't uh, used mine in ages. So. And neither have I. I use it for like Hoopla and stuff, but I don't really use it to go there to go to the right. Library. I haven't used mine. I haven't used mine online either for a long time. So it's kind of mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, well, you know, busy. So, but hey, guess what, folks? Local library, check it. Um, I would love it if they had something like that come here, but I understand why they did it there. Obviously, <laughs> right? It's just that my my reading habits, my prose reading habits, have gotten into the. Uh, I'll put something down, and then once I pick it up, I won't stop. 
Mm-hmm. Right. But if you do that with the library book, it's like, well, I got to return this now. Right. You know, yeah, so you don't I know like that's, Peter. Supposed to, in, that's supposed to be an incentive for reading, but it doesn't always work. Right. And you don't want to be like Peter in that uh, Amazing Fantasy uh, 1000 ish uh, right. story. <laughs> right, 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 right. So next up, though, um, Magic the Gathering reprints the power of nine for the first time in 30 uh, in this 30th anniversary set. Uh, this is something uh, I think I forgot to do from uh, last week, but basically, if you are if you know Magic the Gathering and you know that card, then you know what that's about. But this is not the only reprint it's getting. There's a it's going to be a pack of fifteen, which uh, uh, comprises of thirteen with a modern frame and one retro art card and one token. Uh, and it kind of goes on to the rarities of of so on and so on, which I would not bore folks with, but one card uh, that is going to be in the set is going to be the iconic Black Lotus, and if you definitely know that card, then you know what that means, what that what that what that deals in. So, like, yeah, that's a big card there. Next up, though. Okay, so you know what? I never thought that you could redo dice in the <laughs> form of coin, but apparently, there's a Kickstarter you can now support to get some new dice that. Uh, basically resemble a coin that you flip and they range from a D4 to a D20. The coins are made from a durable zinc alloy and each have a special channel machine tooled where a small ball bearing rolls towards the number you roll. Then each side of the coin contains half the total number possibilities. You know, that's tough to describe, but you're going to have to watch the video on the Kickstarter page to really see how that works in action. So, Right. Yeah, if you're watching the video version, as you should do sometimes, you can see uh, uh, an image of the cards, I mean, of the uh, dicing, excuse me, the dice coins in question. Right, and if you, go to our, right, if you go to our show notes, you can follow the link to the actual Kickstarter page, and maybe you'll have a chance to see how that works. Yeah. Um, they're, they're cool looking. I'm like, you're right, like, like you, H7, I'm like, I never expected to see something like that. Um, speaking of Dungeons & Dragons, though, Dungeons & Dragons movie is getting two prequel novels. Uh, let's see. It says here that um, prequel novels penned by E.K. Johnson and Jalay Johnson. Oh, excuse me, E.K. Johnston and Jalay uh, Johnson, respectively. Uh, the books are called uh, The Druid's Called and The Road to Neverwinter. Um, again, respectively. Uh, Druid's Call will follow Sophia Lillis' character from the film. Doric, a tiefling druid uh, that we saw in the uh, in the trailer, if you remember that, and uh, the less is known about Johnson's The Road to Neverwinter, but I suspect if you have any uh, infi- uh, if, any recollection or, or affinity for Neverwinter, you probably can can understand where that's going to go. Uh, but next up, new Dungeons and Dragons AAA game in development at Dark Alliance Studio. So uh, it's also rebranded from Tuke Games to Invoke Studios. That's the developer behind Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Yeah. So, so as reported by Polygon, uh, this is a new game being developed in Unreal Engine Five and will be, and will be a quote triple A game derived from the Dungeons and Dragons universe. So this is like open world stuff. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Because the last one was basically like a dungeon crawler, and they needed to rebrand that studio because yeah, can. The game was had so much promise, but yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it, it kind of fell short. There's no release nope. date on this yet. But as it was saying, it probably won't be until 2020, probably next year or 2024 at the latest. So. Uh, but next up, though, uh, DC teases major Shazam changes and a monstrous Martian Manhunter development. Um, see, there's some teaser artwork that sees Shazam, Billy Batson, uh, Batson, excuse me, bursting out of the Rock of Eternity where he's been holed up uh, for the, the current time. Um, hovering to the right of him is Mary Marvel, who has since taken up the uh, powers of Shazam while Billy has been away in the DC's uh, The New Champion of Shazam, which now that I think about it, I need to catch up on that. On um, Billy's left is Yara Floor, DC's new Wonder Woman, or I think at this point, Wonder Girl, I think they're meant to say. Um, while a monstrous looking Martian Manhunter uh, hangs below. Um, as featured below, the Billy, excuse me, there are creatures that appear to be part of the trench, which I believe that's from Aquaman. Uh, Heroes transformed. Teaser text read: Secrets revealed, powers unleashed. More information during uh, a panel that has already happened at New York Comic Con. So, and you can see the uh, poster right there. Next up. All right, DC's Jim Lee and Friends panel <laughs> at New York Comic Con was full of news and reveals. So Mark Silvestri was up first talking about uh, his upcoming buddy cop horror story, Batman slash the Joker, the Deadly Duo, which is set to launch November 1st, 2022. So that's only a couple of weeks away. We've started to see um, advanced solicits for that. So um, we'll look forward to that. Next up, John Ridley is uh, – John Ridley joined the panel to talk with Jim Lee about his body of work, and um, uh, he's going to have an upcoming limited series titled GCPD, The Blue Wall, debuting October 18th. So that's next week, 2022. All right. And Spencer Ackerman is going to be building the wall in a new DC Black Label series. And let's see, Nicholas Draper Ivy and Vita Ayala return static to Dakota in 2023. It's going to debut on February 7th, 2023, in uh, Static Season One, Static Shadows of Dakota. That's cool. So that was actually supposed to come out last this this last week. Oh, really? So mm -hmm. they pushed it on. Until oh, it's going to be this week. February. Yeah, they pushed it until February. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's. I mean, that's unfortunate. But if they're pushing it for, I don't know if they're pushing it for Black History Month or not. Possibly, I have no idea. I don't remember. But you seeing know what I mean? That's that. it's unfortunate yeah. that they would push it that far <clears throat> just that, you know? Right. There uh, might have been something that was going on, but I don't remember it. So, or I've seen anything about that. Right. They had an early look at new titles celebrating Milestone's 30th anniversary in 2023. Wow, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I'm too old for this shit. Uh, let's see. Special guest Joe Casada revealed details on his return to DC. So, um, unfortunately, right after he took the stage, um, Joe Quesada came, you know, basically uh, self-diagnosed and got tested for COVID and he tested positive. Oh, so no. he was not right. So he was not at the show, even though he had a booth in Artist Alley for the rest of the time there. But he did show up for this Jim Lee panel. Quesada left Marvel earlier this year to pursue his own personal projects and, uh, He's been designing cover. He, he's he's been announced that he'd be designing covers for DC titles in 2023. 
revealing his variant cover for Batman 131, set for January 3rd, 2023, and Batman 132, set for February 7th, 2023. So, yeah, that was a little unfortunate news from Quesada, but um, what he did do was um, uh, he had his agent collect things that people wanted signed, and he Mm -hmm. ended up signing them remotely, and then the agent brought them back the next day, or brought them back later that day. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, it was very unfortunate that he came down with COVID, like, right there. Right. I'll tell you one thing that Matt and I did not talk about at New York Comic Con was that, according to the, the, the some of the, the, the attendees I, I talked to, mask usage was, like, in the 80 percentage, 80, percent, 80 percentile, 80th okay. percentile, like, Thursday, and it starts to go down every day after that. So, so on really Saturday, when I was there, it was probably, like, in the upper 60s. By the time Sunday came around, even I had my mask off most of the time. I had it on sometimes when I was, like, in a really congested area. Mm-hmm. If I was close to the doors, I had it off because the doors were constantly opening and shutting with uh, air circulating okay. uh, you know, towards the front doors. And obviously, I was outside for a lot of Saturday during in the cosplay area, so I didn't have my mask on at all. Right. But when I was inside, I had it on. So I was definitely not as observant of the mask thing as time went on but you know i it's a shame that people are still coming down with covid you know around the con yeah that's that's gonna be a place that's gonna breed it's gonna breed so so. yep um all right so we have spillover right uh yeah i was about i was gonna say uh there's the icon versus uh hardware um uh event that's gonna happen next year and i think um uh, ridley's writing out one one of those uh, batman one bad day books for the penguin i mean uh, around the penguin but yeah dc comics reveals new direction in this uh superman line in 2023 so um uh uh, Action Comics is uh, continuing its uh, classic number uh, numbering system. Philip Kennedy Thomas uh, Johnson is going to continue to write the lead story. Um, uh, the John Kent book, I believe, is ending to be rebranded as um, uh, Superman John Kent. And um, let's see. Uh, they're going to reintroduce Power Girl to the DCU in a three-part backup story uh, of from in, in in Action Comics that spins out of the Lazarus Planet crossover. Uh, Dan Jurgensen, Lee Weeks, uh, who introduced Lois and Clark's son John in 2015, will reunite for a backup story called Lois and Clark 2: Doom Rising that will take place when John was still a child and his parents were living anonymously on the farm. Anonymously, excuse me. Um, I think that's pretty much it. So yeah, they got some some Superman stuff coming uh, next year. Uh, next up, apparently, no Dark Crisis didn't lie. The Justice League is really dead. In a in a certain manner of speaking. <laughs> I mean, it's comics, folks. Yeah. The following contains spoilers for Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Number five on sale now from DC Comics. I think that's out this week. Yep. I guess so, yeah. Right. So the death of the Justice League, the event that kicked off the Dark Crisis, was not exactly something readers believed. But apparently, uh, you know, they actually did die. But, you know, that's probably not permanent. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah. And uh, some of these characters have died before and they've been back. So, you know. Exactly. Exactly. You're not going to go into all the the, the, the details and the, no. and the spoilers. So, no. you know, they will return, though. Yeah. DC Slash's uh, print to digital release window with new subscription tier. So the DC uh, announced that DC Universe Infinite Ultra, which is the newest tier to its digital subscription service, um, will will provide fans with comics that go up one month after they go on sale at uh, comic shops. Which I thought comic shops had beef with that whole thing in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that's curious that that's going to that's going to happen. But let's see. A month after release, they're coming out, allowing them to enjoy comics on their favorite device sooner. Ultra subscribers will all receive a copy of the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Deluxe Edition with an exclusive cover by renowned artist Ivan Reyes while the supplies last. The exclusive cover will not be available anywhere else. Uh, in addition, Ultra subscribers will have access to an uh, exclusive library of titles from DC Vertigo, Black Label, and collected editions beginning in ni- mid-November. The introductory price for Ultra is nineteen. Uh, excuse me, is ninety-nine dollars, and will and has already launched apparently on October tenth. Which I don't. If I've gotten any word on that, then I don't remember seeing anything. But again, I've ignored a lot of emails lately, so <laughs> there is that. So, next up. Next up, we have a preview of Scarlet Sisters one-shot from from Dynamite Entertainment. This is released this week, October 12th. It's written by Alex Segura with artist Emiliana Pina. The cover is by Joseph Michael Lindsner of Dawn fame. Uh, It's a 40-page book, and it is out now. And you can click through the the gallery that's in this web on this website for a full preview. The Power Rangers officially retiring its original 90s Red Ranger. Um, so this is uh, spoilers for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 100, which came out last week. Uh, basically, the, the Rangers got into a whole scuffle with the Death Ranger, of which uh, apparently some Rangers got uh, infected by. Uh, Jason the Red Ranger being one of them. And ended up... Uh, and, uh, Let's just say whatever happened from there, which I did read, but I'm not going to go into, uh, caused him to have to retire from being a ranger. Probably has nothing to do with the the real life uh, uh, actor's uh, legal trouble, I'm sure. Next up. Okay, that's some some inside baseball uh, Power Rangers stuff right there. Well, no, we talked about it, but yeah, it, it was right. a while ago. I don't remember it though. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, no. Power Rangers stuff. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> awesome! Wow. So anyway, Chris Cantwell and uh, uh, Angel Unzueta expand IDW Star Trek continuity with Star Trek Defiant. Could it be? So early this year, IDW revealed it was building an expansive, accessible Star Trek <laughs> universe of comic book continuity. So IDW. Uh, announced that in March 2023, they're going to launch Star Trek Defiant, an ongoing series that sees the fan favorite Worf assembling a handpicked crew to face a galaxy-spanning threat. Cool. Described as the Dirty Dozen meets Star Trek. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll okay. Be here for it. All right. All right. So this is so this is this is parallel to some some other Ben Cisco stuff. 
Oh, this is yeah. Ben so the who is in charge of the USS Theseus? Okay. So this is probably uh, uh, um, in parallel to that Star Trek number one book, which is the multiversal book that's coming out because uh, mm-hmm. Worf okay. also has a multi looks like a, a, a multiversal um, crew going on here. It appears. Oh, okay. Interesting. So that's probably what it is. Yeah. Oh, everybody wants to jump on the multiverse bandwagon now. Well, I mean, they've been doing it for a minute with that whole... I know, uh, but you so. know what I mean? Like in the comics too, you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We're used, to do, we're used to seeing it in the TV shows, but I guess I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, a fan of um, Star, uh, Star Trek comic books, so I'm not as familiar with seeing it in print, but I guess it's been there for a long time. Oh wait, no, it looks like no, it looks like the Ben Cisco thing is a part of this here book. So, but I'm I'm guessing it might still have something to do with some multiverse movie, but I might be wrong. Um, but with that I know that Star Trek book is a, definitely a multiversal thing where that and that mirror universe stuff is probably still kind of going actually now that I think about it. All right, we're going to circle back to cinematic news. Um with uh David Tennant and Catherine Tate's Doctor Who return was an accident apparently and um According to this article, Tennant said that um, um, at the start of the corona, uh, COVID uh, pandemic, he, Tate, and former Doctor Who showrunner Russell T. Davis, uh, Davies took part of Doctor Who Lockdown, a series wherein they would rematch, rewatch episodes of the long-running sci-fi series as a way to pass the time. Um, and according to this article, David, said, David Tennant says, that's where it all started. Um at a certain time and day, everyone would press play on a certain episode. Y'all know how that stuff goes. Just watch along. You know how it goes. Um, and from that, I guess they got the idea of bringing back Tennant and Tate for the reunion um, in 2023 along with um, at their roles. So you know, check that out. Yourself. If you're a Who fan, you already know about this and Giddy is a school kid. Next up. <laughs> Okay, so this past Saturday, the BBC released the trailer for Jodie Whittaker's final Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor. The Doctor Who centenary special is Whittaker's final episode starring the 13th Doctor, and we'll see Whittaker regenerating into Nkuti Gatwa's 14th Doctor. The BBC revealed the new trailer, which sees multiple mysteries afoot involving the Master, the Daleks, and the Cybermen. Uh, Whittaker previously said that the 90-minute special will be one long-time Doctor Who fans can appreciate. Okay, it's for the Whovians, and you know what I have to say to that? Awesome! Wow! <laughs> for a minute, I thought she was about to say who. Because <laughs> somehow that still works. <laughs> right, that one, you know, that one is the nice sarcastic one. Yes. Uh, Rings of Power, Morphid Clark credits Incredible Horses for in, uh, Episode 6 stunt work. Uh, apparently, um... The actress that plays Galadriel uh, describes the preparation that went into the mon- monumental horseback battle sequence of the six episodes. Spoiler alert, I guess. Um, that's and she says that I cannot believe that was possible. Before doing this, I thought so much of horse stunts were CGI, but wasn't. I suspect from this recent episode. I hope there's one thing that happened in this this recent episode was <laughs> was some CGI. Because cause there was just one horse that kind of got it. Um, yeah. Or was getting it. So, and not getting it in. I'm saying it was, it was, a, it was a bad time for that horse. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, but it just goes on from there. So, apparently, no horses were harmed in the, the making of that stunt. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think we ever have to worry about that stuff. 
Not you know, to do accidents happen, but yeah. Right. Like if it, if it's something that's called for in the script, yeah, no horses were probably harmed in that. Right, but it was like they were well trained and and everything was choreographed nicely and well. So next up, mm-hmm. so uh, why nobody can actually say Mordor yet in the Rings of Power? <laughs> oh God! So, uh, you know, we all know, you know, and this is spoilers for uh, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, as we spoke about earlier. One cool thing, and I'm going to ring the spoiler bell here. Mm-hmm. Is that you know none of the none of the characters in the show actually say the word yet because it probably doesn't exist yet, but it does appear on screen. It, yes, yes, that does happen. So I'm pretty sure it will get around at some point very soon. Yep, pretty soon. I love that. As soon as I was like, as soon as they pulled back that shot and it said mm. the Southlands, and then the text changed, I was like, oh. Oh, so this is out there, yeah, because you just saw a dude looking away just pensively into the distance, and then you just see Shadowlands, I mean, uh, Southlands turns. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The thing, I wanted him to say it, though, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted him to say, no, we should call this Mordor. Right. Or something. I don't know. But yeah, but it was still a good reveal. Uh, the Rings of Power just teed up in uh, the apocalyptic future of the Lord of the Rings. That's that's being nice about it, I guess. Um, I love the tag here, and they called it a mine, a mine. I love it. I say that a lot. I don't know why. Um, you just you just love quoting I, Gimli. I do, especially that one, because every time I like we, I've been playing Minecraft lately, so that's been it's been working out well for that. Also, <laughs> <laughs> a mine, mine. Uh, so yeah, uh, oh, I, and, and my my response will always be: Should I get you a box? <laughs> would you like me to describe it for you or shall i fetch you a box nice <laughs> so yeah but this is basically uh kind of spoilers for episode seven which is the most recent episode as of this recording uh we won't well i mean it's, it's it's a week old at this point but basically hey guess what there's there's more about a certain substance that gets mined up and what they potentially find um mm. uh also uh in the finding of this uh, mineral. And that's all I'll say about that. But if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, yeah. Just like we told Matt earlier, when that comes, you when that part comes, you'll be like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's- Next up. Right. So apparently at New York Comic Con, Amazon Prime revealed the, tr- the, the, the trailer, a trailer for the season one finale of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. The finale is coming next week. So guess what? It's all going to be revealed. The trailer teased the rise of Mordor and offered a glimpse of what appears to be Celebrimbor's forge where the legendary rings of power will eventually be forged. So uh, it was also announced that Felicia Day will be hosting the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for Amazon Music. It will consist of eight episodes that will include interviews with creator J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, along with members of the cast. They're a little late on that. The, uh, the, the, the House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones, they have, you know, weekly podcasts out now. That they shouldn't have waited until the series is over to have these podcasts. Well, the season, because we know they're getting a couple more seasons. So, yeah, it is, but still, to your point, you're right. It yeah. Is kinda, it's kind of late. We, yeah. So, I guess they wanted to get on the ground for, for second season or something. Or maybe they 
Bruce taping. I don't know. I yeah, can... for whatever reason, they're late. That's it. Yeah. That's all we can say. Whether or not they have a reason for it is is up for speculation, but uh, they're they're a little bit behind the you know behind the ball on that because I would say that uh, um, you know Game of Thrones set the standard by having you know I think they had an unofficial they've had several unofficial podcasts and now official podcasts for Game right. of Thrones come out like the the evening of or the day after. Right. Show, and so. we know that there there already have been unofficial podcasts for this, you know, and, and pretty much every other uh, appointment TV show right. of late. So that's not a not big news. But um, yeah, so, but having an official one, having an official yeah. one, it's kind of it's, it's late. Go ahead. Right. But the podcast is going to air to just kind of slightly uh, correct uh, uh, Agent 17, not next week, but. Oh, today. Uh, the podcast debuts today. Well, today because of the, our late recording. I just scrolled right. down. So, you know, I, I would have seen it eventually. The podcast debuts right. on October 14th, the same day as the season one finale. Right. Which we uh, we have just crossed the, the just a little behind the scenes. We're across the, the, the uh, midnight mark now. So in a couple of hours, the, the finale um, will have uh, will have uh, debuted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Live podcasting, folks. The season, uh, the Legend of uh, Vox Machina, renewed for season three, which I've seen people online t- uh, talking about. Where's season two? So, got me. <laughs> yeah. So this was announced at New York Comic Con. Uh, Prime Video announced that the third season of uh, the Legend of Vox Machina, which is you know the critical role, folks, uh, in animated fo- uh, form, the. It says here that the season was already renewed for a second season, which is going to be coming in January 2023, apparently. Uh, and the third season was already announced, which uh, obviously is kind of early just to tell when it's coming, but you know it's coming. Next up. Uh, Paramount Plus has dropped the first teaser trailer for its upcoming Supernatural series, Wolfpack, which comes from writer and executive producer Jeff Davis and star Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um... Let's see here. Release date, release date. She just can't stay away from supernatural stuff, I guess. Yeah, release date. The series will premiere on Paramount Plus on Thursday, January 26th, which is the same day as Teen Wolf the movie. Okay. Coincidence? Probably not. Probably not. Next up. Yeah. Uh, Bink, uh, Titans, uh, HBO Max debuts Teen Titans Go's villain Jinx in live action form, apparently, uh, shared on Instagram with the caption, question everything you thought you knew. DC's Titans offered a first look at how Jinx will appear in the fourth season of the series. Also included, included was concept art for the character who will be portrayed in the series by Lisa Ambarvala, uh, Ambarvala, I had this right earlier. Amber Lavanar. My apologies for butchering your name. <laughs> I tried to practice it. Next up. Uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are reuniting for a Valentine's Day special next year. Uh, the third season of the adult animated Harley Quinn concluded early this year. And uh, this is in advance of the renewed fourth season. So this is going to debut in February 2023. This very pro- it's it's titled Harley Quinn: A Very Problematic Valentine's Day Special, and it's going to return um, the familiar voice cast to the show. Uh, speaking of returning 
people to things that they probably shouldn't be in this case. Ezra Miller returns for flash reshoots after apologizing to Warner Brothers because we saw it happening. So uh, the rapper reports that Miller uh, arrived on the Warner Brothers light near the, not near the beginning of October to, to uh, shoot a day of pickups. The news comes several weeks after Miller uh, apologized to the studio heads in person, acknowledging blah, 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 who cares? He shouldn't be on this film and they shouldn't be doing this, but they're, they're, they're standing behind this stupid ass. Yeah. And it doesn't make any kind of sense. True Next enough. Up. True enough. Okay. Patty Jenkins hints that Wonder Woman 3 may not be the last in the saga. Um, it was intended to be the last in a trilogy, but there apparently may be more in the future. So she was speaking at the Matera Film Festival, and she intended to do just one movie, and she ended up planning a three-movie arc, and she'd be interested to see what happens next. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, Stranger Things star Caleb McLaughlin would love to be DCEU's uh, Static Shock. So apparently he was at a Q&A at uh, Heroes Comic Con in Brussels and says that uh, I would love to play Static Shock. Honestly, um, I would want to do something like a superhero or even something or even something. It doesn't matter. Really open to being any character. I feel like I can play anybody, honestly. Uh, And he kind of goes on from there. Obviously, you know, this is him putting his bid for that. Um, Good luck to him, I guess. Because uh, as far as I know, that that Static Shock movie is still kind of coming at some point. Mm-hmm. But we don't know when because we haven't really gotten too much more news about it. Next up. Warner Brothers TV Group lays off 82 staffers, consolidates some unscripted and animation departments in belt-tightening restructure. So, um, yeah, not good. It's 26% of the division's total workforce. Yeah, I've I've seen some Rip Cartoon Network uh, posts going around lately also. So that's never a good thing. Not good. Uh, yeah, Star Trek Universe, uh, you, uh, the New York Comic Con 2022 panel reveals teasers for Picard Season 3, Discovery Season 5, and Prodigy, I think, Season 2 or 3. I don't remember. But yeah, so um, Star Trek Picard's third and final season set to premiere on February 16th, 2023. There was a teaser uh, trailer with um, most of the old cast and uh, the introduction to the the villains um, uh, of the of the show. One being uh, Amanda Plummer's character as the villain is Fred Vidic, Vidic. and also uh, Brent Spiner's lore reshows back up uh, apparently. Which now that I'm thinking about it, makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Jodie Forge's daughters will be joining their father on Picard. Excuse me, their father Picard and the rest of the Next Generation crew on the final mission. Um, as uh, Mika Burton and Cruel Summers, uh, Ashley Sharp Chestnut. Oh, uh, Ashley Sharp Chestnut uh, will take on the roles of Ensign Alondra LaForge and Ensign Sydney LaForge, res- respectively. Um, also, let's see, Discovery, let's see, Discovery Seavers Prime got a trailer, like I said, and Prodigy, Star Trek's Prodigy was going to return Thursday, October 27th, uh, season five of Discovery, sometime in 2023. Next up. All right, in some... You know, it's nothing new when things when projects get shuffled around, but it's always news when Marvel has to postpone some movies. So Marvel, Disney Marvel, have 
announced that uh, a shakeup to their release calendar that was just set earlier this summer. So first up, Mahershala Ali's Blade has moved to September 6th, 2024, back from its November 3rd, 2023 date, almost a full year. Obviously, we've heard news of uh, filmmaker Bassam Tariq leaving the project two weeks before it's set to start filming. So they're off looking for a new director. So it makes sense that they would push back the movie. The Untitled Deadpool 3 movie is moving to November 8th, 2024, back from September 6th, 2024, just the span of a few months. Fantastic Four has been pushed back several months to February 14th, 2025, back from November 8th, 2024. Avengers Secret Wars, the culmination of Marvel's multiverse saga, has moved to May 1st, 2026, back from November 7th, 2025. The crossover event is in search of a director, and its move means Marvel no longer has two Avengers films debuting just six months apart. Avengers The Kang Dynasty remains on the docket for its original May 2nd, 2025 date. Disney also made several changes to other uh, releases on its calendar, with Searchlight's Chevalier dated for April 7th, 2023, um, uh, and some other movies. <laughs> but, you know, outside of our purview and the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes movie, the latest in that franchise is now being slotted for May 24th, 2024. Yeah, uh, Joe Manganiello uh, to di- to co-direct a Dungeons and Dragons uh, documentary, apparently, because we know we've heard he's a big. Uh, unless that's changed, because it says it co-direct. Yeah. Anyway, according to the Hollywood Reporter, a documentary featuring a feature about the enduring tabletop role-playing game uh, Dungeons and Dragons is in the works at Entertainment One, a division of Hasbro, so it's in-house. Um, the documentary is expected to coincide with D&D's 50th anniversary in 2024. The aforementioned uh, Megan Niello is attached to Corridor that right, like I said, co-directs, excuse me, the film with Kyle Newman. Joe Mann is a big D&D uh, buff, which you who'd have thunk it? You know, he's a so. giant D&D buff. His a, wife hates yeah. it. <laughs> Sophia Vergara hates it. Oh, that's right. He is married to her. I forgot about that. So yeah, yeah. I've heard her. I've heard her in, in like various interviews say, "Oh, he goes into his dungeon." You know, like I don't think she calls it a dungeon. Into the basement where all his gaming stuff is set up. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. All right, next up, Red Sonia reboot reveals first a uh, first look at Matilda Lutz's badass warrior. So the long gestating endeavor to reboot Red Sonia has finally come to the table with a substantive reveal showcasing star Matilda Lutz in crimson-haired glory. Okay, so if you're looking at this article now, you'll see a picture of the character in uh, armor and red hair. So there you go. Cool. Um, Michelle Yo, Pete Davidson joined Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um... Uh, Yo will provide the voice of Air Razor and Davidson. I don't really care, but apparently he's a voice mirage. Who's who's a D Roy character? If if you did not know that, I don't know. <laughs> Unless they're doing another take with it, but if they got that scumbag with it, doing it, I guess it will be. So yeah, at uh, June 9th, twenty twenty three is uh, when that's gonna happen. Next. 
Black Clover has finally revealed the first full look at the debut feature film, and the first new project has introduced a new character who's actually a former wizard king named Conrad. Okay. So, you know what I just realized? Black Clover is not on my list of anime. And one of my friend's kids, one of, one of his elder daughters, was cosplaying as a character from Black Clover. And I asked, is it good? And she said, yeah. I said, well, I'll add it to my list. Is there something, some reason why I haven't added it yet? Or have you not watched it before? I have not watched Black Clover. I have heard things about. Uh, I have heard some decent things about it, but I've never watched it myself. All and right, I added it to my list, so I just wanted to say. If, that. if anybody else outside of that in your anime um, um, council didn't say anything about it, I don't know. That's. I guess I said something, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it might. It just might not be in everybody's purview. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So, oh, you, but by the way, we are in anime uh, corner. So, yeah. Which he already did the thing, so it's all good. Yep. Uh, um, My Hero Academia six, Season 6 sets uh, English dub release date, and that date is October 15th, which, guess what? That's a day from this recording. So, which I know, but if you are, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to, to watch your anime, but uh, if you're watching the, the, the subs, you're a good person. Okay. Um. Next up. All right. I think this is our last news item. Mm-hmm. Bleach Thousand Year War, Thousand Year Blood War, that is, trailer shows off the new captains. So I believe this was revealed at New York Comic Con. This was, and that has also started this week. Ah, well, I've never watched the first parts of Bleach, so no watching this Thousand Year War stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be a while if you ever get if you ever get to the point to where you could watch this. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. Hell, I need to catch up because I totally forgot what 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 happened in the first part, and I'm like doing not even finished of it. So, but yeah, it's out there. The the it's already started. So yeah, those who are watching is watching it. Um, and with that, folks, we are going to go briskly into the books of the week. Yes, we're transitioning into this week's books, folks. We have been at this for a while. We're gonna get a quick ad read in. Right now, mm-hmm. uh, let's see here. Our first ad of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Combo Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we're transitioning actually into comic books. Yeah, I was about to say we're transitioning into comic books and I'm going to spin up the rapid fire books. So here we go. I ain't got time to bleed. Just doubling up. I love it. So go ahead. You go ahead and start, uh, start up and I'll, um, I'll chime in whenever. Sure. So uh, first up for me is Batman versus Robin number two of five. It's written by Mark Wade with art by Mahmoud Asrar, colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Steve Wands. In short, um, Damien is uh, in deep in the middle of teenage angst and rebellion, but he may be under the influence of a very magical being, a, a magical foe that once took 
Batman and Superman to the brink before Batman and Superman were able to imprison him. But now this villain has returned and there's a lot of magic abounding. Magic users, magic characters. It's one of the few blind spots, obviously, that Batman really can't deal with. Okay, so this is basically coming off of uh, uh, Batman, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, which is recent, right? That as well as that Lazarus, that uh, that Damien, oh, exactly, yeah. that that whole uh, tournament thing. So that's all tied in together. Okay. Next up is AXE Death to the Mutants number three of three. So this is the last issue in this little mini series. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Guiu Villanova. Colors by Alex Guillamores and Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is basically filling in, uh, continuing to fill in the the path that the uh, Joint Mutant and Eternal team are taking through. Um, uh, wait, hold on, I may be confusing these things. So let me pull up my copy of this. I think you might be thinking of Eternals. Yeah, I'm thinking of Eternals. Because that is the trial of Ajax. Uh, let's see. Death of the Mutants pulling this up. Here we go. Right. So this is... Sorry, folks. Oh, no. So so this is, again, you know, given some of the disjointed, uh, you know, out of slightly out of order publishing of uh, these um, AXE tie-in books, you know, we're getting some fill-in of... Uh, some of the events of the main miniseries, which is, you know, a good thing, to be honest, because if you don't necessarily need to read these tie-ins to get the gist of the story, that's actually, I think, a good thing for the people who just want to get that story of the miniseries to get the gist of what's going on. But here we're getting some fill-in of what's happening to the Eternals, as well as uh, some of the things happening at, um, you know, as, 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 as plans are being hatched to deal with uh, the progenitor. Um, you know, w- w- some of the story gets filled in, you know, with Cap and uh, Nightcrawler in Immortal X-Men this week. We'll talk about that in a minute. We get some stuff here with um, with uh, Fastos uh, because he is actively working against uh, the, the, uh, the progenitor and the machine that is Earth. And so, you know, there's plenty of stuff going on here to fill in some of the gaps in the story. Do you have anything to add? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Next up, we have AXE uh, Eternals number one. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Pasquale Ferry, colors by Matt Hollingsworth, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This follows that troop of X-Men, Avengers, and Eternals as they make their way through the body of the progenitor to try to shut the progenitor down. And in the course of this, uh, Ajax runs into her test and it is a very extended, um, sequence of Ajax basically proving, uh, that she is willing to move forward in faith as a priest of the Eternals. Anything to add? Nope. All righty, next up is Amazing Spider-Man number 11. It's written by Zeb Wells, pencils by John Romita Jr., inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Marcio Miniz, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, our favorite lettering Python. So, the cover of this issue, 
really does hint at what we're going to see in the issue. It's the return of the Hobgoblin, but which one is exactly the question posed in this issue, as posed on the cover. So it's one of those times when the cover really does clue you in as to what's happening in the issue. So again, we still don't know what on earth Peter Parker actually did to deserve all the hate that he is receiving. But we also see some other characters pop up that we haven't seen in a while, like Ned Leeds, Betty Brandt. Uh, you know, showing up, they play uh, a role in this issue. We also see Kamala kind of being a grown-up intern. You know, she's you know on the on on the you know on the testing floor of of uh, of of Oscorp. You know, with Peter Parker as they're testing out a rocket engine. So it's that's pretty interesting. We have um, uh, uh, some new developments between uh, Felicia Hardy and Spider Man. So that was actually a pretty interesting little interlude. And we get, I'm sorry. And we get, uh, right. And we get, as I said, you know, we get Ned coming back as well as, uh, um, Norman not telling Peter the truth about all of his dealings. So we get the idea that maybe Norman's not what we think he is. And, we have the return of one Roderick Kingsley. And if you remember that name, you are old. So. Yes. So bottom um, line here yeah. is we have uh, at the end of the issue, the you know, like we during the issue and at the end of the issue, we basically get the appearance of um, Anne or a hob or a hobgoblin, depending on, you know, how grammatically correct you want to be. Right, and given the names we that have already been thrown out, it's anybody's intentionally anybody's guess as to which one it, it is. Exactly. Also worth noting that the cover, if you're watching the video version, uh, you will see that the hobgoblin head is being um, held by potentially another character that's going to come back into play from right. from recent uh, Spider-Man. Um, so I guess that's going to be a thing. Yep. But yeah. Next up is Black Panther number 10. It's written by John Ridley with art by Herman Peralta, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So I have been, uh, I have not been shy about being somewhat displeased with the course of this book after the Civil War was kind of resolved in Wakanda. So we're getting a little bit of follow-up on that as well as this kind of weird story with the, you know, these weird aliens that come up and uh, they tap into some historical context that I know mm. John really wants to, you know, explore and teach, essentially teach T'Challa about. That's kind of what this, this issue um, serves to do. And, you know, there's a bit of a history lesson here as well as, um, you know, uh, 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 a study on T'Challa's current state of mind as well as his well-being, given that, you know, there's some doubts now whether or not he can continue to be the chairperson of the Avengers. So that seems to be where uh, this story fits into the greater scheme of things. Do you have anything to add? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's curious. Like you said, there is some um, some history that T'Challa and I guess by proxy to the um, the, the audience, if they did not know or learn about a character and um, um, uh, or historical figure, I guess historical, well, historical group, right? A historical group. Yes. Right. Thank you. That's you know, it's, I would say, hold on, hold on to your thought. I would say that it's a it's referenced in a Bob Marley song. Yes, yes, indeed. But also, um, I noticed Ridley uses a, at the very least, the name or um, a variation of a name of a, I would go so far as to call him a dictator in the 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 telling of that uh, of this character of this group's characters, um, in the or at least in the world that this character's uh, group is coming from. Or I didn't even phrase that. Um, there is the use of a, a, a of a an, uh, an actual figure's name, or at least a version of an actual figure's name, in the telling of the story, and used as an, an antagonist to a character in this story. There we go. That's that's better. But also comes in with the history lesson that is being learned about this uh, historical group. Right. So so that I found that kind of interesting um, uh, playing in here, even though coming into the story from that last issue still seems kind of kind of crazy but i guess it was in service of getting to this point right it's to serve you know to try to try to i i don't know if it's to 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 portray t'challa as being in a you know kind of a broken or bad place Mm -hmm. you know because you know that's one of the things that this issue ends on is that he has experienced a lot of loss and you know to a certain extent he's still (laughs) grieving and he may not be, at, you know, in the right mindset to lead the Avengers. And I'm wondering if maybe they're, you know, if if Ridley's working in conjunction with Aaron to set up a new status quo. I, when I get to that Wakanda book, we can probably address slightly a bit of that. Right. I just think it's I think it's interesting that it's working not in the Avengers book because the Avengers book is is, is literally in you know like uh, dealing with the 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 big crossover, you know the big right. event. Not just Judgment Day, but you know their own kind of event that they've had to put on hold to deal with Judgment Day. So, next up is Daredevil number four. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Rafael De La Torre, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, uh, guess what, folks? Something you never thought was going to happen actually happens in this issue. Spoiler alert. Um, they're not exactly playing Here Comes the Bride, but it might as well be. We'll put it that way, huh. folks. I'm not spoiling everything, but they do, in fact, in this issue, talk about the inevitable conflict that's going to come to a head at some point between the leaders of the fist, that being Daredevil and Elektra, and the leader of the hand, that being Frank Castle, the Punisher. Next up is Fantastic Four number 48. With It's written by David Pepos, with art by Juan Cabal, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. This is the final issue in this volume of the Fantastic Four. The, there have been two issues to kind of cap off the run on this volume after Don, after Dan Slott left to helm the new Spider-Man book. 
So this is the second part of the taking of the Baxter building. Uh, die hard. Die hard. <laughs> right. Die hard at the Baxter building. And um, I thought it was okay. You know, there, there's some revelations about Oubliette Midas in this that kind of, you know, were out of left field. But at the end of the day, it was a nice little capper to this two-issue story arc. What did you think? Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, I think that that Oubliette thing was might be a kind of a retcon, I guess. But that character is kind of I, I don't I, I've seen a character before, but don't know really know much about him. So it it is what it is either way. Um, and yeah, as a closeout to the I don't know as a closeout to the, the to the run of 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 Slot's run, which I know that he's not writing this. It's kind of a down note because if they ended it where he where he stopped, it would have been one thing, you know. But then we got these extra two issues that kind of that, that are kind of basically like a filler episode, right? That that's kind of what I was getting at, you know, when I threw it to you because I felt like these were unnecessary. But hey, these this is normal for comics. It's normal. Yeah. You know, we're not used to the relaunches into new number ones. If the, if a creative team comes off, there is a filler arc more often than not. And then a new creative team comes on with the next numbering, but right. they're they're foregoing that because comics nowadays. Yeah. That said, you know, as a, as a self-contained two issue and supposedly tie into Judgment Day was very I was very loose. Um you know, Die Hard in the Bastard Building actually has been a pretty good, you know, it's been pretty interesting. And it's centered around Sue, even though the other characters have, have their own places in it. You know, Ben has his uh, Secret Wars moment. Right. Johnny's kind of over in the cut with some pizza until he gets his uh, he gets his brainstorm, you know, as, as to how to try to help out. But like I said, uh, it's pretty much centered around Sue with, uh, with uh, Reed just narrating and only comes in at the end. Right, you know. right. He's basically he, locked. He, to... When he comes in, it's like, yeah. Even we, he comes in, it's like, oh no, it's it's been you all the time, and you don't, you know, I don't know, Judgment Day, what? Right, exactly. <laughs> it was Agatha, no, not Agatha, but Sue all along, and yeah, yeah. and ultimately, you know, it's it's framed as a way of the progenitor judging at least Reed, if not the entire FF. That's what the part I was actually wondering about. Because, like, yeah, was this Reed's test or was it their, all, all of their tests? I'm going to assume it's all of theirs, but that's not – you can't really tell. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's portrayed as them being judged as a family, which is not fair, but none of these tests are fair. I mean, look at what they did to poor Cap. <laughs> Get off it. <laughs> you redeemed. He's been redeemed. In any event, next up and last up for me is Immortal X-Men number seven. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Lucas Vernick, colors by David Curiel, and letters by Clay- VC's Clayton Cowell. So this fills in some of the gaps from Judgment Day number six, was it? Uh, five. five. Oh, well, no. Was it five where where, where, five. Where, they, where they lead up to... Technically, it, technically, this takes place during and after five. All right. So during it, it takes place after five, but not really because you go through you go through the whole plan to it of what leads to the end of five. I see. I see at the beginning. Yeah, after the events of AXC Judgment Day number five. I don't remember these things, folks. Do you know why we read too many comics? So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so we so we get some some you know mostly Nightcrawler centric stuff, right? 
He's, you know, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, as the primary man of faith among the X-Men, he is obviously uh, dealing with the end of the world and how that, how he deals with that is basically the crux of this story. He also realizes that Destiny, who is the precog, who has been brought back to life against Moira and, you know, and and, and their wishes, the, you know, Moira, Charles and, and Eric's wishes. Now... Destiny doesn't want to necessarily go down this path there that they have to go down in order to win. So, uh, you know, we get a little bit of insight into the plan with uh, Captain America that's in Judgment Day number five. We also get some insight into what they plan to do uh, with Orcus and to try to get Orcus um, to uh, to do some stuff uh, later on, which is interesting. This is post-Judgment Day. Well, I don't think so. Because, well, it's, I well, guess it's like late Judgment Day. Is, yeah, yeah, because I think part of that might have been hinted at in Death of the Mutants, also, because he says something in Death of the Mutants, like, "Yeah, I got some hackers on on the on the case." Also, and that might have something to do with um, Orcus, because especially what 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 he's talk when he's talking to Moira in in this issue, right? Possibly, but um, but might be also possibly going past. Um, Judgment Day also, I'm not sure. Right. So it's interesting to see how all this stuff plays out. There were some more uh, AXE Judgment Day tie-in books, but no time to read them this week, folks. Well, I'm, I, re- I I will get to one when I get to my books. All right. And that's it for me. Uh, I guess speaking of... No. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll move this around. Uh, AXE uh, Iron Fist number one, which is... The other book, because yeah, yeah, because kept that card from Marvel this week was also a tie-in issue. Right, I was about to say Wolverine and um, X Force were also tie-in issues. Yeah, that is also true. Enough. But I didn't want to read the Craven stuff in in X Force. Come on, with the Craven stuff. Yeah, I'll probably wait till all that's all that's all bundled, not bundled, but all that's together before I read that because I figure like it's going to be a weird read anyway. Anyway, um, XC Iron Fist number one. Um, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Michael Ng, Ig, excuse me, and Marika Cresta, uh, color artist Chris Soldemeyer, and letters by, excuse me, BC's Travis Lanham. So yeah, it's another tie-in to uh, Judgment Day. Um, this one is basically Loki and uh, Lin Lai or Lin Lee's uh, uh, test uh, in this one book. Uh, coming off of that, um, coming off of that uh, Iron Fist miniseries, um, because you know, I guess you had to put him part of his somewhere. Where he's going to end up next? Don't know. That whole thing with um, his his brother and Loki and uh, Kundun? Don't know. But here he is right now, and that's that's pretty much that. <laughs> um, uh, and the last book for me. Is uh, Wakanda number one, the new number one from this uh, for this week, or a new number one for this week? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Written well, the the main story is written by Stephanie Williams, with pencils by Paco Medina, inks by Walden Wong and Elisabetta Damico, uh, uh, color artist Brian Valenza, and the backup story, which is the history of the Black Panthers, is written by Evan Narcisse. Art by Natasha Bustos, color artist uh, Jordy, oh, that's a typo, Jordy Belair, 
and um and uh letters by VC's Joe Sabino. So, um interestingly enough, the the main story is, is uh Shuri centric in the wake of and this is being set before uh, according to the footnote at the beginning of the book, before Black Panther 11, so technically after this week's Black Panther number 10, um, where T'Challa is on the outs with uh, Wakanda and possibly on the run. Um, um, that's I had to pause there because that, that's the part that's kind of curious. Anyway, um, She's got a lot on her plate. Uh, Ramonda's R- Queen Mother Ramonda has come to kind of get her out of the lab for a little bit, you know. Um, uh, and a, a set of uh, a shipment of rhinos ends up being um, uh, a a bit of trouble. Not even a bit of trouble, but end up being a um, a temporary bit of trouble for Shuri. In the form of, let's say, a Trojan rhino um, that has revealed to be what that is. I'll let that. I'll leave that be that. Which is kind of curious, given recent issues of Miles Morales. Is I'm kind of curious as to why this happened, but I, I suspect uh, that'll come come across at some point. And but also gives away to apparently um, a quote unquote visit by an old friend of Shuri's that is coming. That was uh that uh that is uh that came in at the at the end of this book, who apparently is a character that has been uh, is not a new character, but has been in the pages of Black Panther before. So I was not aware of this here of this particular uh, this particular person, uh, and this might have been through Shuri's run of uh, Black Panther, but I'd have to go back there and check that for for. Uh, for certain, and like I said, the backup story is the the part one of the uh, history of the Black uh, Panthers, uh, which some some a couple of references to recent um, uh, one million BC uh, Avengers story was in here. So this kind of technically kind of takes up after that and gives a little bit more info as to what happened after that particular. A particular certain part of that uh, one million BC um, one-shot book that happened, um, and there's also um, a lengthy amount of footnotes about uh, the history of Black Panther that was um, that was referenced in that backstory uh, in the back of this book. So if you are a Black Panther fan and uh, are curious about that kind of stuff, you might want to check this out. Uh, I believe this is a five-issue uh, miniseries. So this is one of five. Uh, if you are if you are keeping count, and that folks is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. We did not get anything from um from from our other hosts, but apparently Halloween Ends is a good movie. If I'm referring from <laughs> from this uh, chat message. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, of what I read, I didn't really have anything that stuck out to me this week. What about you? I mean, Fantasy Four Forty Eight for the for the whole diehardness of it um, kind of stuck out, but that that last issue was kind of better. Um, if that makes any sense. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. 
um, Immortal X Men for the fill in for the for the for the fill in stuff was kind of all right. Mm-hmm. Was, and plus, you get to some insight into board Nightcrawler stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, as to where his mind is at this point. Um, amazing is a curiosity, but I can't say it was a standout issue. Like just okay, these people are back. What the hell's going on? <laughs> That's pretty much what what that was. Yep. Um, and Wakanda number one. Yeah, uh, I I think I'm going to go with probably the strongest read I had because I was surprised that they actually did it. You know, like I said, here comes the brides, not exactly out of place. I'm going to go with Daredevil number four. Mm-hmm. That's my click of the week. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm glad I didn't do what I was just about to do, but that's fine. All right, so that's his click, and I guess for myself. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This is a hard one. Um, Cause yeah, like I said, there's stuff that was decent, but not really like just over the top stands out. You know, some, some decent stuff. So I don't know. Just to close it out, Fantastic Four number forty eight. I guess. All right, cool. Uh, like I said, that that Wakanda book was good, but uh, given what it is, it's like okay, yeah. We'll see what it what uh what it comes of it, and that folks is uh the end of the books and the end of the show. Can we get one more uh one more ad read? Our last ad read of the night. You know it's late. We've been at this for a while. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or your last-second Halloween costume things. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, first, folks, I know this was a weird one because, you know, we had uh, our friend of the show, special guest, Matt Wang. We thank for coming by, by the way. Thank you again. Uh, You know, we'll definitely have him back, hopefully, when there's not a con. (laughs) Right. But there's all, you know, listen, these shows, whenever we're coming off a con where there's plenty of news to talk about and we're talking about our own experiences at the con, always run long. And, you know, like... Like Rodicat said, we're a little disjointed today because we weren't 100% sure when Matt was going to be able to join us. So we shuffled some things around, but hopefully it was not too confusing. Indeed. But we'll be back in our regular state of confusion next week. <laughs> Ball of confusion. Exactly. Um, so, yes, yeah, she goes over. So we still got Andor. We still got uh, one more Rings of Power to talk about. Right. Uh, you still have House of Dragon to talk about. Yep. Uh, I think that's it for a minute, actually. Right, since we did cover uh, Werewolf by Night this week. Yes. So, with that, I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seven in Twitter and Instagram. Um, PCN underscore dirt at, uh, at that on Twitter. Uh, Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Pop Culture Network.com is on his umbrella sites therein. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, which is uh, T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. TheClickNation.com. And also uh, ComicBook.com, where he's over there right in the face off, because I know he was busy. Absolutely. 
Um, also, uh, if you want to follow a friend of the show, Matt Wang is Matt Wang 97, like we said earlier, um, on Twitter and Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't think I said that earlier. Yep. Uh, you can find us on the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast parental place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. You can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and uh, twitch.tv slash Commonwealth Chronicles. Hopefully we will be back to simultaneous streaming on both next week, but apparently Restream was having issues. But nevertheless, it'll uh, I will see that the... Um, the episode gets up on YouTube. Uh, and with that, folks, this has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. And knowing is half the battle.